0: You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon.
1: Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and stud This is Coach Brett with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Got a really cool show for you guys this week. We have, <laughs> this is really good, we have a self-defense expert. Waylon Green, one of my best, best, best friends, is going to join us on the show via Skype and talk to us about how to be safe out there on the bike and on the run. And we cover every kind of scenarios. Every kind of scenario got dog attacks, um, bad guys lurking in the bushes, running at night, uh, on your bike by yourself, like all kinds of tips, man. It's really, really cool. And then after that, we have some uh, questions that I answer on, let's see, uh, when is the Iron Baby coming up? we ha- That's a self-supported uh, triathlon that I put on. Um, we have somebody answer the question about uh, should you pay attention to your cadence on the run and run by cadence. And let's see, we have uh, how frequently injuries uh, can slow you down from your goals. And let's see if we have one more in here. A little bit of horn and juice comments and, and uh, good stuff like that. All right. So let's go ahead and get started with the interview with Waylon. Oh, and we also have a great training log, tons and tons of stuff in there. I start trying out a new fuel, has awesome results and a whole bunch more fun. So let's go ahead and get started with Waylon Green from I think the call, I think he's in North Carolina and we talk all about how to be safe out there on the bike. I learned a few things and uh, my mindset's a little bit different after talking with him and I think. I think you'll really, really benefit from this, so let's go ahead and get started. Let's call up Waylon. Waylon, where are you? Pick up the phone, man. Pick up the phone. Ah, there you are. Let's go.
0: Hey, can you hear me?
1: I can hear you.
0: Let's see.
1: We're recording. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Can you hear me?
2: Yeah, I can. I tried to do it on FaceTime, and I wouldn't put any video through.
1: No, you have to do it through Skype if you want to do video. Oh, that's a bummer. I'm using Skype. Skype, maybe? You got to know the face of your attacker. <laughs> <laughs> are you ready to roll, man? Yeah, man, whenever you are. Okay, let's do this. I All right. am here, and it is an honor to be here with my good friend, Waylon Green. How is it going, man? <laughs> going good, brother. How you doing, man? I am doing really, really good. So, what happened is, is I caught up with Waylon from military school days. We caught up on Facebook and through another best friend, and then we hung out together uh, a couple of weekends ago, which was, that was one of the best weekends of my life. Oh, that was awesome! Yeah, and loved it. That, and so, talking with Waylon and catching up over the years that we've been apart, found out that Waylon is a security expert of not just of sorts, but of all every kind of angle. And we'll go over that in a minute. A, a lot of your experience that you've been through. And cool. then I even did uh consulting for uh, security. And I thought, okay, what is a good reason to call Waylon and just talk about anything? Just <laughs> <laughs> share stories. Man. And uh, because <laughs> I, th- seriously, Waylon is one of my best, 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 best friends ever. And any reason to get on the phone and talk with him is great because he lives in North Carolina now and I live in Texas. So I thought it hit me. I'm like, oh, we should do a podcast interview about uh, personal security for triathletes. And that would include uh, jogging and biking. And so I, I wrote up a long list of questions and sent it to him about a week ago and uh, for him to go through. And of, like typical things that can happen to triathletes or joggers and bikers right um i don't believe you're any more experienced in preventing uh shark attacks so than that (laughs) than the average person
2: i I would treat a shark attack the same way as I treat a dog or a person attack
1: yeah punch it in the nose go for
2: the vulnerable areas that's it man thumb in the
1: eyes and punch (laughs) it in the nose yeah that's right yeah Okay, you, so, you can do the Patrick
2: Swayze thing and reach in and rip the throat out. You know that's extreme.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, beat him with their own arms. So um, the sharks don't have arms.
0: So that's
1: good. Oh, you know what? While you're while you're ta- while we're talking, let's look up what was that? We couldn't remember the name of that Patrick Swayze movie that he was in because you were this for oh, yeah. this job. You were Patrick Swayze, but uh, <laughs> you did this for quite a while. Um, eight eight years yeah about roadhouse is the name of the movie
2: roadhouse you were that's 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 every bouncer's bible movie right there
1: okay so you (laughs) were the head body uh, bodyguard the head um bouncer at a huge club in north carolina what city
2: yeah a couple of clubs in uh, chapel hill there there were about three or four clubs that i was working pretty much at the same time i kind of became a local commodity uh-huh. And uh, whenever these clubs would have big events or important people, or or they were really short staffed, they'd call me and pay me extra money out of the table just to show up and and help them with it and train their guys. And yeah. I was the cooler. I was the cooler man. Yeah, cool. <laughs> you only fight when you have to fight. <laughs> well, when we know that is, I will tell you.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's
2: yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. That's straight line. out of the I, movie. I can't man. remember the line. I can't remember all the lines. <laughs> yeah. But.
1: Okay. Oh, yeah. So uh for people that uh, nobody except for me in the triathlon world has really seen you, you're six foot five? Six five, yep. yeah. and what do you weigh what did you weigh when you were a bouncer?
2: Uh about about the same as I am now, about somewhere between two thirty five, two forty five. My weight yeah. fluctuates depending on what I ate that day.
1: Yeah. <laughs> whose heart you ripped whose throat you ripped out that day and ate, that, it? That's right, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so how many hearts I had that day. Yeah. Never. Okay, so <laughs> um we were in military school together and then out of high school you joined the Marines, right?
2: Right. Went, went to the Marine Corps, served uh, four years in infantry as an anti tank assaultman.
0: Yeah.
1: Which is
2: pretty much just saying I was just a uh a big bullet sponge.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Instead of and, being a small bullet sponge, I no, was a big the, one. Did they send you off to Afghanistan at this point or not?
2: No, this was back in the early nineties. It was uh right I mean like right after Desert Storm. so right. I just missed the invasion and uh, was pretty disappointed with that. That's all I wanted to do but uh, whatever right you know but uh, but uh, the good thing was the unit that I served with it was a, a weapons company mm-hmm. with a um, in the second Marine Division. And uh, we deployed all the time. We were going to Japan. We were going to the Mediterranean. Uh, We were the first ones to hit the beach uh, in Haiti in 94 when uh, we were trying to establish some stability over there. So we got to do some good things, some good training. Uh, Did a lot of cross training with Royal British Marines and um, Spanish Marines and, and did Arctic training in Mount Fuji, Japan, general survival training in Okinawa. You know, got to do desert spain, uh, training in 29 Palms, California, so yeah. got got to really do a lot of great things.
1: Cool. Okay, and then, it, was it after that that you were a, a bouncer for for all those years, and then you yeah, signed up for you the know, Army?
2: Yeah, well, I, after I got out of the Marine Corps, um, mm-hmm. I wanted to start a family. So, yeah. I met my wife, once in the Marine Corps, and, and we've been married ever since, uh, you know, so we've been together over 20 years now, we've got twin 10-year-old girls. Yeah. But, um but when I got out of the Marine Corps, I just felt real displaced. Uh, it was either be a cop or be a hitman. That's pretty much all the Marines <laughs> train you to do. Yeah. And uh, I really didn't want to have to look over my shoulder the rest of my life. Although you have to do it no matter which profession you choose. I, I imagine this day and age. Yeah. But um, so I was just going to be a cop. That, that's all I was. I was training to be. But I had. I wanted to be a, a good cop. So I wanted to get my degree first and was doing part-time jobs, I was bouncing, I was doing contract security, you know, unarmed contract security, just being that security guard of the old days with the suit, you know, and, and uh, walking around, doing some corporate security, industrial security kind of stuff. And, right. um, but, but I was bouncing uh Wednesday through Saturdays for what started out just a couple of years and, and I was making such good money at it. It was all cash under the table. And, um, I loved doing it. That was like my social outlet, you know. I mean, that's where I got to talk to people and meet the people, and I I really got to exercise, you know, training that I was doing. At the same time, I was also um, I was a Muay Thai instructor, Muay Thai kickboxing instructor, a Kenpo street fighting instructor, and also a boxing coach. Right. So everything I was teaching my students during this time, this was between 1995 and 2000. Everything I was teaching my students and learning myself, I could apply you know, almost nightly, you know, Wednesday through Saturday, yeah. um, on how to deconflict, um, mm-hmm. major conflict. So it, right. it was a challenge. It was a challenge all the time on well, not just survival, but can I control and manage the situation and when it got out of control, can I regain control? So it was
1: just became yeah. a challenge. Yeah, and uh people if people listen to the show a lot, they've heard me mention offhand that I was a bouncer for almost a year. And this is in a, col- you know, a one college town, massive university, 60,000 students and football game weekends. Uh, it's just insane. Oh, and, it's a nightmare. And the amount of fights and everything <laughs> that I had to get into and break up or, or, you know, escort people outside, you know, escort, quote unquote. And, and then, yep. uh, <laughs> and I can only imagine you were, you were telling us that Chapel Hill is home of like three universities or, or what? Oh yeah,
2: you've got Duke, you've got UNC, you've got Central, you've got State, and they're all within a twenty-mile radius of each other. Yeah, twenty-five-mile radius.
1: Yeah, and so and uh,
2: during basketball season, during football season, you got all the big, you know, hunky studs that are coming out and yeah. want to establish dominance. And whatever yeah. they go, they want to be the most important person there, and yeah. ruining other people's time. So you know
0: how difficult that can be.
1: Right, and and my scariest moment was getting into a shoving match with an All-American linebacker. When I when I touched him and pushed him, I realized his skin was harder than my entire body. And he was wearing – a guy that has enough nerve to wear no shirt and then a vest out as his oh, yeah. as his evening wear. And he's an All-American. That's your
2: first danger sign right there. Yeah,
1: All-American linebacker <laughs> for one of the biggest universities in the world. Yeah, you're in trouble at that point. Oh, man. Okay, so Absolutely. I survived that one. But the – um. Okay, and then you signed up uh, for the army.
2: Yeah, I went uh, to the Army Reserves. I I did a five year break in service, and I was like, you know what? Uh, I really want to serve my country again. Don't really want to go back to active duty because then I'd have to transplant, you know, my future family, and
0: mm-hmm.
2: I'd have those military brat kids, and I didn't want that. So um, I decided to join the reserves. There was a, there was a military police unit uh, in Raleigh, not far from where I was living. Right. And I thought this is too easy, man. So I became a military police officer. Uh, the Army Reserves, and uh, come to find out, this was before the wars were really kicking off in Afghanistan and, and Iraq, and um, the Reserves and National Guard weren't really being utilized a whole lot during that time. So training was a little bit of a joke. Right. And here I here I came, all walked and cocked, you know, prior active duty Marine, to this Army Reserve unit, um, <laughs> who there, you know, the first thing they tell me after they see me is like, hey. You need to relax. You need to calm down. down. (laughs) You need to settle down. The day is going to be at least eight hours long. Uh, No matter how hard we work, it's still going to last eight hours. Yeah. So, uh, but it was hard to get that Marine Corps training out of the head, you know, where it's attention to detail and and working hard and playing harder kind of deal. These guys played hard. They also ate hard and exercised little. Yeah. So it was uh, (laughs) was kind kind of a culture shock.
1: So. You did? Uh, I think you said like four tours in Afghanistan. No, 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 no. Okay. I did.
2: Um, I only did one tour in Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, I, I just got back last uh, last April. Right. Um, where where now? I'm in the National Guard, the Army National Guard. I took a break in service after the reserves, and uh, about four years later, five years later, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go back in, but this time, I'm not going to go enlisted. I want to go in as an officer. Instead of complaining about how things are done. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to be part of the change. So I got my degree in criminal justice, my four-year degree, my bachelor's, and um, joined the National Guard, was, was enlisted for a year, went to OCS, and uh, became a commission officer. So I deployed to Afghanistan last year in the eastern province as a platoon leader. So I got to lead uh, lead military police soldiers uh, in uh, Combat operations it was pretty cool. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was everything I imagined, and as horrible as I could imagine it could be.
1: <laughs> right. Um, you
2: know, we all had our trials and tribulations, but this was actually the first time I'd ever deployed to the military and had children. So that was a totally different, yeah, different experience for me. Um, yeah. Whereas before well, it was just my wife and I. I'm like, hey, see you want to see I love you much. All right. And if I don't make it back, you know, we'll document Right.
1: And, you
0: know,
2: not not a huge deal, but having kids and, and having my babies grow up without me for a year was. Uh, was a challenge,
1: right? Yeah, that's really hard.
2: Yeah,
1: man. Wow, what do we do now? <laughs> no <I'm> kidding. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> well, again, so catching up with Waylon and getting all this after not seeing him for how many years did we figure out it had been since we hung oh, out? Oh man, him? since nineteen
2: eighty-nine,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, man,
2: eighty-nine. Actually, no, so it was the t- very t- beginning of nineteen. 19- 90
1: so let's say 25 like, years right it was a yeah, lot to catch on up on okay so let's i want to have you on more times too so <laughs> because i think you whatever got to, you need man. i think that what we could do is before we ought to mention to people that um uh for them to send in emails and sure. hit me up on twitter and more questions and get waylon back on for for his advice and some absolutely uh I'd tips and stories and, uh, and get you back on it would be really great. So um, awesome. people don't know, but at at uh, Marine Military Academy, where we went to high school, we woke up uh, probably six days a week, at least five days a week, six days a week, and ran <laughs> probably three or four miles. They had a cycling yep. team, which I think <laughs> if I was on it, I would have gotten on my bike and just ridden north as fast as I could. <laughs> And, um, <laughs> and we were right
2: by the airport that you could see those flights coming and going every day. In your yeah. first year there, you just wish yeah. you were on those flights. And it's
1: a full-on boarding school where they take your clothes away from you when you show up, shave your head, and they all give boys. you all boys, no girls, all military school, all mili- uh, freshly retired uh, Marine Corps uh, uh, drill instructors, drill instructors gunners, gunners sergeants, sergeants yeah. master
2: sergeants, Vietnam-era guys.
1: And they had Hardcore. a swim team and a track team, and so fencing, it explains, boxing, yeah, fencing, boxing. Um, they had a flight school, like all this stuff is just really intense. And it's no surprise that most of us that went to that school ended up being really athletic and and uh, and craving more um, ac- action when we got older. So, um, you and I are very typical of the kind of people that that were there and then left there. So, let's go over to um the interview. Here's our our notes. Okay. So, let's start with jogging. Cool. So, and let's start with jogging at night. And one of my tips is uh with the clothing is um in contrast to running around a a combat zone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I recommend that people wear bright clothes. So I have a black lab and running with him, I put like a really bright colored uh, 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 handkerchief around his neck, like one of these neon yeah. green ones so that cars can see him. And I wear, I make sure I wear a white, um, I'd wear any kind of bright colored running hat. And yeah. um, what do you have as far as like uh, at night, as far as clothing and being out running, what would you do?
2: Well, uh, any time that I'm going to exercise, first of all, you've got to talk about avoidance versus ignorance. Oh. Um, you know, do do you want to be a victim or do you not want to be a victim? Right. Because if if you choose environments that make it highly likely you're going to be a victim, um, you know, and you're, unless you're just really looking for the challenge of uh, <laughs> getting away from an attacker, uh, you know, there, there are some common tips that, that are widely known if you did any kind of Internet search it's out there. You know, running on sidewalks, looking people in the eyes and giving a greeting, you know, to, to kind of make yourself a hard target. Running, if you're running the, road, uh, running the roadways, you know, keeping left of the road, face oncoming traffic, just, just simple rules to, to avoid being a victim or a target, um, but also attempting to avoid uh, evening, dusk, you know, dawn nighttime type of hours. One, uh, you're less visible. Two, it's easier for attackers to hide during those times, and uh, it just makes you more susceptible. So if, in fact, you have to run in those um, less lighted hours, whenever yeah. it may be, um, try to run in good neighborhoods. Avoid the run-down sections of towns, uh, you know, the, the dilapidated houses and, and everything like that. Yeah. Choose your area wisely, wherever you're going to exercise that.
1: Yeah, there's um, lots of neighborhoods, if you think about it, that have streetlights and lots don't. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. And we and
2: stay with the lit lights, too, but <laughs> not the streetlights that are all out.
1: So, yeah, hey, that's a good sign lights, right there. I can there. Run here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we were considering moving to one neighborhood, and then we didn't because there's no streetlights. And I like to run at night, and I want my wife to be able to run at night. I want her to be able to run right. without being so afraid, you know. And, right. Uh, okay, so Well, you know,
2: running running with someone else or running with your dog like you do is is one of the most popular choices and a good effective choice yeah. because really no, um, no predator wants a fight. They right. want someone who's, e- who's easy, they can take care of quickly. Yeah. Whatever they plan on doing, they want to rob you quickly. They want to beat you quickly. They, they want to take your money quickly. They want to do it all quickly. They don't want to sit there and tussle. Right,
1: they, they really don't want know. to get injured while doing it.
2: Absolutely. Unless, of course, you're strolling in their neighborhood and they're wearing the gang colors and they're going to tell you you're in the wrong area and they're going to teach you a lesson.
0: Yeah. You yeah. can be
2: as loud as you want to be. They don't care. So again, having some situational awareness and avoiding some of those critical areas that you really need to stay
1: out of. Okay. So what is some, for running, you want some stuff that's kind of lightweight. What would be Absolutely. Some, what would be good gear to take with you if you're running? And not even at night anymore. I'm just talking about at night and during the day. So I, I have on my list uh, a phone. I always run with a phone. Absolutely, uh, it's critical. And because um, also the phones nowadays have maps on them. If you get turned around, you find your way back. And yeah, then too easy. Um, mace, and or tear. I don't know what. What do you think people should use?
2: Yeah, OC pepper spray, oleoresin capsicum. It's a. It's a good good defense tool. If you can get the phone, that's the best. Uh, as far as as soon as you hit somebody in the face it's going to stick and it's not it doesn't dissipate uh easily mm-hmm. so uh if you can get a small can of foam they sell a little small little five ounce little cans um, so all ca- over the place so
1: what kind of mace what did you call it
2: uh it's oleoresin capsicum.
1: capsicum oh, okay. that's
2: a, that's a general term the oc pepper spray
1: okay
0: it's
2: the most effective you can get all kinds of bear sprays and and but do your research so go online um there, there are numerous companies, numerous labels, numerous concentration of the oleo resin that's in there, which is actually the burning content within there, yeah. or the capsicum excuse me, the capsicum is, is the burning element that's in there. Um, but you definitely want some type of, uh, of oil base. Now, the danger to an oil-based OC is that it is more flammable. So unless you're running and smoking, uh, I wouldn't <laughs> worry about it.
0: Not very Here's common. it works
2: best.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. That, or
2: if the bad guy's smoking, you know, nobody yeah, else is lost.
1: that's his loss. That's his loss. Or when we were in military it, you know, school, we were probably smoking and running many times.
2: Yeah, exactly. Or smoking right after running or carrying yeah. before. <laughs> so, <laughs> but when, when I go out I, I like yeah. to carry I know they're they're out of style now, but however you choose to carry, I I like to have a fanny time, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I, I really don't go anywhere by myself. Um when I'm not wearing street clothes, uh, when I'm wearing athletic attire, I do like to carry a fanny pack to carry my cell phone, carry my keys. Um, I you can carry a whistle whistle around your neck, which is the best place to put it because if you get tackled and you're on the ground,
1: you can still reach
2: it quickly. Oh, whistle! Yeah, that's um, another
1: good one. Yeah, yeah, a whistle. Yeah, yeah. A high,
2: nice high-pitched whistle, but any uh, whistle will do. Try to avoid the ones with the P's because sometimes the P will stick and the whistle's not very loud. Uh, so you know, the ref whistles with the with the shrill in there. Yeah. Oh Avoid that. Just just there are all kinds of rape yeah. whistles and, and you
0: know warning yeah. type whistles that are my out running
1: there. bag has um there's like a running backpack that REI makes and yeah. it's got a whistle built into the strap. So I think there it, you go. a lot yeah. more of those do. You gotta look for that. Okay.
2: Absolutely.
1: Now what about a dog attack? So um, let me give you an example. <clears throat> there's a street that I like to run down and I want Kai to run with me down the street, but there's yeah. a um, a Dalmatian that always wants to run out and it's pretty aggressive. And, you know, my kid's only nine years old. He's like 70 pounds, 80, 90 pounds. And right. this dog could rip him up um, while I'm trying to kick it you know, to get off of him. What are some tips on stopping a dog from attacking me, just preventing it in general, and what to do if it actually gets to me?
2: Right. Um, well, first, like we first talked about, the avoidance versus ignorance. Obviously, avoidance is always the best defense. Right. But if you do find yourself in that situation and you do have a dog, um, it depends on the breed, and it depends on the the actual intent uh, of the dog. Yeah. The dog plans to plans to get you. You're not going to stop it. He's going to get you. But you can reduce the amount of injuries, the severity of the injuries, and you can effectively fight him off if if you're able to stay calm. Now, this is not something easy to train for. This is a mental thing because as soon as the dog comes at you, you want to panic. You know, you want to just start swinging your hands, you know, like a fifth grader in a school fight. Right. Not even thinking about where they're landing. I'm good at that. (laughs) Most of us are. (laughs) And until you get beat up enough, you're like, wow, that's not real.
0: That's not effective.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I'm tired of my nose and my eyes swelling up and hurting all the time. Um, so, uh, just the same as if, if it was a person attack you, you want to go towards soft vulnerable tissue yeah. the dog is automatically going to want to go for the upper extremities he's first going to try to go for an arm something that's that's easy for him to latch onto, uh which is not a not a big deal i mean if if you do get dog bites in your arm yes it's going to be extremely painful it's going to be excruciatingly painful but the positive side is you know where the dog's face is now. He, he, is a, he is a target that is no longer moving. Yes, right. he's tearing through your flesh and ripping some meat open, but you know where his head is. Right. Once you know where his head is, and you can walk onto his head use your free hand, gouging eyeballs, grab an ear, see if you can remove it from the head. You know, grab, grab his, his uh, loose jowls, you know, the, the gums, the, the, the flaps over his teeth, yeah. and start pulling in the opposite direction, you know, over the top of his face.
0: Oh you know, And ouch. he's going to be
2: struggling, and he's going to be shaking, and you know, trying to, to tear a piece off of you.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And I guarantee, if you hurt him, he's going to let go, but he's going to attack again, most likely if he's a very aggressive breed. So
0: okay. get ready
2: for a fight. Um, make lots of noise, scream, make yourself a large target. Um, you know, hold your hands out. You know, don't back down. If you try to turn and run, he's going to run you down, and then he's got you from behind, and there's not much defense about that. Yeah. Uh, from that. So. Um, face, face your attacker and, uh, you've got your weapons in front and uh, protect your vulnerable areas, protect your neck, use, use the bones in your forearms, to protect Uh your neck, your groin, your, um, your, you know, your carotid artery and your neck, your femoral artery and your thighs, protect those with at all costs, lose a finger, lose a hand, do not let that dog penetrate those areas because by the time EMS comes, hopefully you haven't bled out. Right, and that's that's the biggest fear. If you rip your arms up, you're going to have some severe bleeding, but it should be slow enough that hopefully you'll get medical attention if you're in a populated area. Again, okay. avoiding those desolated areas.
1: So, what are the what are the arteries again? The neck, the th- inner thigh. the
2: the carotid artery in the neck, yeah. and uh, the the femoral artery in the thigh, and the upper thigh on the inside. Right. If anything lacerates those areas, then you could yeah. you could easily bleed out within a good two and a half minutes
1: yeah you're dead okay so you don't want to do that so one thing that I've done and it worked really well when I think about it I should make it more of a habit is I have a bamboo stick that I run with when I run absolutely and that thing worked really well and um I popped a dog on that on the face to get him this that dalmatian now that I think about it I popped him on the nose and boy (laughs) every time now that he comes after me he stops and, and there you go and he doesn't go follow through anymore after i didn't want to pop him on the nose but i had to at some point and then yeah um, absolutely. okay so one time i got surrounded by three dogs that were Ooh, that's not good so what what should i just keep spinning around or do i do i when one of them goes after me do i do one at a time
2: uh attack one find out which one is is the most dominant and uh-huh. attack that one and it's it's really a pack mentality if you attack the leader um, in some situations, I'm not saying this is going to be ideal for all situations because usually the alpha dog is going to be the strongest and the meanest. Yeah. <laughs> and, and your biggest foe. Yeah. So, but if you find yourself cornered and there's no place to go except through the dogs or they have you surrounded yeah. and it's getting critical, um, another thing I pack in my bag is a pocket knife. Yeah. A pocket knife, pepper spray. If you've got pepper spray in one hand, pocket knife in the other, then you're stabbing and jabbing and spraying. And uh, I guarantee, if you can if you can reach out and touch them before they can touch you, then then you're an animal they don't want to mess with.
1: Yeah. All right. I I know this doesn't sound positive, but I mean this really does happen. It happens a lot. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, let's say let's move from uh from to a different animal. And so now we're going to talk about humans. And right. And we're going to do like stalker <laughs> versus attacker. So stalker, right. like you're running along and you think somebody. And you said this at the beginning mm-hmm. of our conversation. I want to touch on this in a second. Uh, that I thought was really, really smart. You said uh, make eye contact, like you acknowledge peop with people that you're here, right? Or that, that you see absolutely. things. So, like, say I see somebody in the I think there's somebody in the bushes, kind of trailing me. Do I yell, "Hey, I see you," or something like that, or yeah. or what? What do I do?
2: No, no. A, a lot of times, attackers in, in and predators in general, they they want to blend in. Yeah. They don't want you to be able to easily identify them or identify them as a threat. So right. they may even come up to you, hey, what time is it? Hey, you know, do you have oh, smoke? Yeah. hey, can I get some change? Yeah. They may confront you. Yeah. But if if you're someone that walks with their head head up or runs, you know, or bikes with their head up, full situational awareness, and you see someone who's got eye lock with you, avoid them, you know, first of all. Maintain eye contact and, and change your direction. Yeah. Not completely opposite where they're behind you, but where where it would be more effort for them to keep up with you. Now, yeah. if they start going into a little gate, you know, depends on your own abilities, your capabilities, and and what defensive tools you brought with you. You know, it's going to yeah. determine your your response. But yeah, making direct eye contact, um, speaking to them. You see someone in the bushes. Hey, how's it going? What's you know, you okay? You need any help back there? You know. Take an affirmative stance, you know, a strong stance. Control the situation. Let them know. Yeah. Exactly. If you maintain control, then then you take that power away from them. They want to be in control. They want to have the element of surprise. And when you take that all away from them, then you're you're a harder target. Uh, Now, if they're specifically targeting you like some kind of stalker, then you let them know you see them.
0: Right. You know, hey,
2: why why do you keep showing up? Why am I a- always seeing you? Now if you go to a running park and it's the same person exercising all the time, you don't want really to be saying that to everybody who's always there, they're like, Man, this person's a wacko. I'm just, you know, exercise here all the time. Yeah. But um but if you really think you're being stalked and someone's, you know, intentionally tracking you, then um, you know, make eye contact, show, you know, even if you're not a type A person. Pretend like you're one. This is where <laughs> your acting skills can really come into play and really save your life. You know? Right? Like not not coming across as aggressive. You don't want to come across as aggressive or or you know ready for battle because right. if you corner a dog, they're going to fight their way out no matter what kind of dog they are. Right. But but you're very affirmative. You're very take charge. Hey, how you doing today? And and very official. You know, how you doing today? Are you okay? Yeah. You know, do you need any assistance or you know, nice day-to-day isn't it as you make eye contact with them because what they want to find is they want to find someone who's a victim. Victims keep their heads low, avoid eye contact. Submissive, yeah. Exactly. Submissive someone they can easily dominate. And when you show you've got that type of personality, even if you've got a small stature, a small frame, you could still be, you know, someone that's going to be very loud and very difficult for them to to overpower or to
1: quiet. Uh, you know, you were talking about the alpha dog and a group of dogs. A lot of times, if you pay attention and you just notice the alpha dog, it's not always, it's it's very infrequently the largest dog. There's always some little absolutely. dog in there that's running the pack. And you can tell all by attitude, it, it bosses the other dogs around. You're like, look at that little <laughs> beagle bossing around that German Shepherd, you know? Yep. And it's just all attitude. And, yeah, so I guess I guess the key words were act official and confident, if you keep that yep, in mind. Absolutely. It, yeah, so check this one out. I was running down this dark street, uh, which is not smart, at night. And uh, <laughs> this lady comes up to me in her car and tells me that there's, a, some, there's another car, and there was another car way down at the end of the road. And she was worried that, that the people in that car were um, kind of casing her house and, right. uh, and that we're going to do something to her. And, right. and then she told me, and I, I could get that, you know. And then she told me to get in the car. And, um, and, uh, to drive down there with her. And I, and right then, you know, I stood up tall and I said, I don't get in the car with anybody. Sorry. Like that, <laughs> you know, and I said, and then I yeah. pulled out my phone, right. Cause I had my phone on me and I said, do you want me to call nine one one? There you go. And she said, well, no. And I said, well, okay then. And I said, I'll stand here for a while to make sure you're okay. But then I got to go like that. And I think, yeah. I, I think in that situation, I handled that one really well.
2: Absolutely, man. You yeah. you did the exact right thing, and, and the thing is, people assume that most criminals or the majority of criminals are really, you know, they're dim, they're not very bright, and mm-hmm. they have no tactics. And in all actuality, I'd say probably half the criminals that are operating do this as a living or as a thrill, and they've gotten really good at it. They know how right. to pull at your heartstrings. They know how to yeah. tell you the right thing. They come across as that all-American, you know, stand-up citizen,
0: yeah. you know,
2: hey, I, I need your help for this issue, you know, or something like that. And you always want to be that helpful person, you mm-hmm. want to be that helpful citizen, and that's what they pray yeah. for.
1: There could be somebody in the back seat of that car, and as soon as I get in the front seat, they grab me from behind, choke me out, take oh, my wallet, t- take me and drop me off in a ditch somewhere. So I don't know.
2: Absolutely, man. Absolutely.
1: Oh, all you right. You did the right thing. Okay, so let's say now we got an actual real attacker, and let's do uh, from behind versus from ahead. So let's say I'm, okay. I'm running along and somebody comes up in front of me and says, hey, uh, I know now that they're an attacker, right? So they've, right. they've gotten within some kind of distance of me. Um, like say the stalker goes actually to in my face and now it's like uh, trying to do something to me. So what, what should All I right. be doing then?
2: Well, if you've got someone who's, who's presented themselves as a definite threat, right? Um, it's going to be circumstantial. There's no you know, silver bullet that can take care of all situations. But uh-huh. in your situation, someone has presented themselves as a definite threat uh, in front of you. And you know, if they don't have a weapon, if they're just you know, open hands, free hands,
0: uh-huh. um, you've
2: got to make a choice. Fight or flight. What are your options? Do you right. have an out? Because obviously avoidance is going to be your best thing, and you live to fight another day. Right. If you think you can outrun this person or you know this neighborhood well enough or you can scale enough fences or you can go to a house, you know, do that because you have nothing to prove and, you know, severe scars or broken limbs really aren't worth, you know, a thug that wants to prove something to you or his buddy. Right. Um, but if, if, in fact, you, you do find yourself cornered uh, with no escape and you've got someone in front of you who's, who's, not, who's obviously not going to back down Then, again, throw on that alpha mentality without being full of conflict, you know, and just say, look, man, you and I don't need this. You know, you seem, you're this kind of person. I'm this kind of person. I don't have any money on me. I don't have anything uh, that's of value. So you doing this to me really serves no purpose. See if you can, you know, use a little bit of verbal jujitsu on
0: them. Uh If that
2: doesn't work, then, you know. If, if he comes on a full attack, the first thing he's going to want to do is either choke you or hit you in the face. Right. That's the, that's, that's the common first move for most attackers. They either want to get you in a chokehold from behind or they want to punch you in the face because they want that knockout punch. So now that you know what their targets are, it's going to be up to you to either train yourself to defend against those moves, which is always a smart thing. Okay. If you want to be a, a good citizen who can protect themselves and others, take training. Take martial arts training. Fix self-defense training. Learn the box. Learn some type of skill because right. it will one day probably save your life or someone else's. And right. you're gonna have to you're gonna have to use those skills to defend yourself. Right. And aim towards soft targets. Uh, you know, throw your punches at his throat, not his head. Heads are, are fast-moving targets. Aim yeah. towards the top of his chest, and uh, a lot of times you'll connect with the throat. And if not the throat, then the jaw, which is the perfect right. place to aim. Uh, yeah. don't aim for the forehead or the or the bony parts of the head you're just going to end up breaking your hand and now you only have one defensive tool left right um if you're able to get a hold of fingers there are no rules when you're fighting for your life
0: right none <laughs> they
2: don't have any rules neither should you yeah so you're reaching for soft skin you're reaching for the inside of his cheek to, to rip his cheek out to pull an ear off to, to gouge an eye out Scrape um, the hell you know, out of them
1: with your fingernails it, too. Yeah. Exactly, bite, man. I mean, I mean, bite like crazy. Stomp,
2: stomp on the top of their of yeah. their feet, break their instep. You know, grab fingers, pull them all the way back to you hear multiple cracks. You know, do whatever you got to do. If you can find a rock, a stick, a piece of glass, anything that's around you, most anything can be used as a weapon. Use it. Yeah. And if you got someone that's standing off with you, just grab the nearest thing that's movable that you can hold, and and face them with it. Say, look, if if you really want to do this then it's going to be a hard fight for you because yeah. I'm wanting to go home. Right. That's got to be your mentality wow. and it's got to be proven in your actions.
1: So if somebody comes up and tries to grab you from behind, does that thing where you <clears throat> stomp on the toes really work? Is that kick them in Absolutely. the shin? Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Use the heel, use the heel of your foot. Uh, their feet are going to be somewhere near your feet. Yeah. So what they're going to want to do is they're going to want to put their arms all the way around your neck and bend you backwards so that you cannot get a visual of them or your surroundings. Right. Again, Situational awareness is going to be key because hopefully you've seen them. Uh, you you had some sort of idea. You had that gut feeling that uh, something wasn't right, and uh, you kind of mentally prep for it. If this guy comes at me, here are yeah. my escape routes. Here's some nearby weapons. Here's what I can do. Uh-huh. It's really just about mentally preparing yourself all the time. Not I, making you paranoid, but just being prepared.
1: I got an idea for another interview on a, on another episode that we do. Yeah. We, man. we uh, cover. Um, uh, some good uh, uh, martial arts or boxing or self defense classes and to take, like just kind oh, of absolutely. go go over those. So let's keep that in mind absolutely. for uh, a future show. That'd be really really cool. Cause now we're getting into, yeah, what should you know? Cause you recommended you know get some self defense classes. Well, what are some good ones? And we should go over that in another show. That'd be really great. Yeah, yeah. Cause that's yeah, a whole other that's a whole nother thing. Well, that's a whole
2: other conversation. Yeah. And that's why I, even though if you have training, I mean, you know, I've had training, but I, I'm not I'm not the silverback, you know, alpha dog of the entire world. There are plenty of people out there who yeah. are able and willing to prove to me that they are the better man, that they yeah. know more than I know. So yeah. that's why I always have an extra weapon with me. Right. Um, you know, I, I usually have a blade. I, I, I conceal carry as well. When I take my family out, I always carry concealed, uh, you know where where I can legally because I right. do follow the laws. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's just about mental preparation. That's that's right. the best way to have self-defense and to protect yourself is mentally prepared and situational awareness and avoiding being a victim, being a hard target, and uh, knowing what's going on, man. Don't hang your head and bury your head in the sand, think that's never going to happen to me because it's not a matter of, you know, if, it's a matter of when.
1: Right. Let's let's move on to um, because I, I was going to do multiple attackers, but it's kind of like what you said with um with dogs, it's uh, attack the alpha, I guess, and a lot of the other guys will stop. Or if you attack uh, a small one, they might you might make an example out of a small one. I guess maybe you have to choose. Well, it's really do.
2: about your own abilities. So, you yeah. know, what can you do? You know, yeah. are you mentally prepared to do this? Are you mentally prepared? to be more violent than they are because that's that's truly going to determine you know who's going to come out more injured or not right because if you're not mentally prepared to be as violent as you can be to save your own life and you're going to try to stair-step it and well you know i, I don't want to so you, you know you do a punch to the face well. They're already four steps ahead of you, and they're all over you, and now that one opportunity you had is gone. So right. your first move needs to be the most violent and the quickest move and the easiest move that you can think of. And again, martial arts training will give you a lot of practice with doing that.
1: Yeah. All right, let's move on to cycling. So cycling's a little different than, run, than running because you can actually carry something with you if you wanted to. Um, oh, absolutely! Instead Maybe of, you can have a little bag attached to your bike, or, or yeah. have a bag on your back. So let's say let's say it's my situation where I ride around the countryside. Let's say I had a um, a legal concealed carry. Do you, would it be smart to carry a small like a little uh, small caliber handgun on me?
2: It's always a good idea to carry if you're licensed, if yeah. you're within the legal limits, and uh, you know you follow the laws, but also that you practiced. It's not just well, yeah. a matter of yeah. getting that certification and then carrying it, because if you have not practiced, if you don't go to the range at least once or twice a month and practice withdrawing drawing that weapon out of yeah. whatever holster you're carrying it in or whatever bag you're carrying it in, if you're not practicing that, you might as well not even have it.
1: Okay. Because
2: if, if in fact, you do have to pull that weapon out, it's not to show a force. It is right. to use. It's to you use, the, the, yeah. The, yeah, the only time you're to draw that weapon is to use it. And when you're drawing it, that means you've got fractions of seconds to get that first round off, right. or it's a it's a going to be a, a life taking experience on your end, yeah, uh, with, with your life being taken. So yeah, it's life or
1: death. I've I've got a good story about this. One time we we're riding out in the middle of the countryside and um, some dogs started chasing us on bikes. And uh, people are always amazed when I talk about how much this happens in Texas. But if you if you're from the South, in general maybe, but I know in Texas that we've got a problem with dogs. Uh, Running, right. running after people and chasing you on the bike okay right and um and unless you're going downhill you're not going to outrun a dog for a good stretch no yeah. no they <laughs> are fast and and it's funny even like a little tiny dog is fast and uh, right. there's not much weight there for them to haul ass okay so we uh we're we're going around a corner with these dogs chasing us and then a guy's tire um I think he wrecked because, of the, um, because one of the dogs got in front of him, which is a whole nother... Right. I, I need to cover that in another show. Well, I guess I'll say right now. <laughs> um, a dog comes at you. One thing you can do, this is what fighter pilots do. You can actually swerve at the enemy to make them to momentarily divert course. So a dog comes running at you, and it's coming out of the, the ditch, out of the right-of-way at you. You can actually Absolutely. swerve your bike at it and yell and it'll make it pause just for a second and jump back, and also know that you're not something to be messed with as easily as it thought it was, and Absolutely. thought it could do. And it'll actually give you time, a gap to uh, to get away. Um, and then uh, one thing, another thing that you can do. This is all. This all comes from dogfighting classes, uh, like fighter pilot <laughs> stuff. Is right. you ride in a tight group until the dogs get right on you and then you split into like three or four and then they don't know what to do. They don't know who to chase. And while, yeah. yeah, And then you, uh, you can also lead with a diversion guy and you're really, really fast guy that is not worried about the dogs. He, he, you know, that he can outrun it out the the mean dogs in this one area that you know, you're about to come upon. You send him up ahead of the pack, and he actually gets a kick out of like trying to out sprint the dogs. It's a good, it's a good <laughs> it's a challenge. Work. Yeah, it's a challenge for him. He's fine. Now those dogs are tired, and they will. And then as the rest of the pack with the slower cyclist comes rolling through, um, those dogs you'll see them. They're just standing in the road or off to the side of the road panting trying to catch their breath and they've got no energy left to try to chase you it, these things all work like really well
2: that that makes total sense man yeah. i mean it's that it is that pack mentality and it's you know uh you turn the tables from being a victim into an attacker you right. know you go from from being a, someone who's a victim all of a sudden into a formidable type of entity you know you become larger you're, you're more you're, you're more unpredictable and uh, they can't they can't uh, predict your moves as easily yeah. and it, and it causes them a little bit of fear.
1: And uh but the one thing with the swerving and then the splitting up into groups that you got to watch out for is oncoming traffic and traffic behind yeah, you. Yeah, go. So, you need to be very aware of the situation before you start doing that kind of crap because the uh you could get hit by a car coming at you because now you're acting unpredictably. You s- you swerve at a dog and then swerve back, then the next thing you know a car hits you. So, absolutely you got to be careful when you do that kind of stuff and also when you split up into you fly you know your formation you break up into pieces and then they they, one of you is in oncoming traffic so yep choose um, choose the course
2: of action that's within your own capabilities and if you've maintained good situational awareness you've already got a plan before uh, you have to react
1: yeah and this is really important stuff because i'm i'm starting to take my son with me out on bike rides and he can't I can defend myself against most dogs. a pit bull would be my limit or or a big right. a big aggressive dog would be my limit um but that's kind of rare, but he could actually like I was saying like a Dalmatian or like a doberman or like a um uh, a German Shepherd or something like that could make mincemeat out of him pretty quick. So i got to watch out for yeah. that. Okay, so... Well, I'll, hey, Brett, I'll, I'll yeah. tell
2: you another tool that, that yeah. uh, people can buy, and it's legal in most states, mm-hmm. and that is an as baton, a collapsible baton.
1: Oh, yeah, uh,
0: yeah, you yeah. Know, you,
2: you can get them up to 24 inches long when they're extended, and you know when you've got a two-foot stick that comes out of nowhere and you're able to swing it one-handed and it's got good weight on it, when you make contact, you're going to make a difference right then and there, you know, with your attacker. That is perfect. So, but, so
1: a lot of people that are like really dog friendly would say, you know, just spray it with water, which actually works. You can spray the dog with your water bottle, sure. And they hate that. Absolutely. Um, that'll make them because it's kind of like it's their <laughs> eons of evolution of them versus a skunk or snakes like a cobra or something like spitting at them. Yeah. They, they don't like being uh, hit with uh, liquid in the face. Um, yeah. And then uh, yeah, you could tear you could tear uh, mace or something like that. But yeah, worse the the cool thing about an ass, you, you just mentioned is it collapses down to really small and it's really simple.
2: Absolutely. And so Very it, easy to operate a quick flick, big strong, you know, flick of the wrist. You yeah. gotta practice with it a little bit. If collapsing it while you're still riding the bike, that would be the most
1: difficult thing. <laughs> you're yeah. stuck
2: with this two foot long stick now and, and you're still trying to ride the threat's over and you gotta stop, get off your bike and beat it on the ground to collapse it again.
1: Yeah, I think that'd probably be okay though. I think people could probably deal with oh, that. Yeah. I think that's a that's a oh, smart yeah. idea. Okay, so I hadn't thought about that one. All right, now let's say. I, I
2: do. I do want to say that I'm a dog lover. I'm yeah. not a dog hater. You yeah. know, the the scenarios that that I'm saying, the defensive techniques I'm saying is is when your life is in danger. Right. You know, if it's a menace, obviously you want to go with with the lightest you know a deterrent that you possibly can. When it's a dog, that's excited. He's just running next to you and barking at you, but not really showing aggressive tendencies. You know, coming at your legs jumping at you I, right. i'm talking worst case scenarios in yeah. my situations with my defensive dog yeah technique.
1: most most times that i get attacked or chased by dogs i i actually uh on the bicycle i if i'm not terrified i kind of cheer them on i'm like come on you can do it and uh, especially if it's like a little dog with little short legs I, I cheer them i'm like you can do it man and i'm like people are like what were you doing i said man that's the most excitement that dog had all week to get to chase a big thing on wheels, I mean, man, Absolutely. that dog out here in the countryside must have thought this was the best day ever. So uh, uh, let's see. Oh, so I was going to tell you the story. Uh, so a dog will run out in front of you a lot of times and, right. um, on your bicycle, and it causes people to wreck. This happens a lot. Um, you've got to be really careful about that. And I'm sure there's a, a much better strategy I can come up with right, than just trying to think of something. But so this guy, this guy wrecked. And um, and he was standing there, and then his tire exploded on his on his bike from the something about the crash made weakened his tube, and it and it blew out the entire tire, right? Oh man! And it, when it went off, it sounded like a gunshot. Well, then now Farmer Bob comes out from his ranch house. Thinks
2: you're shooting at his dog. Now,
1: now he's concerned because like he wasn't concerned enough to keep his dogs from chasing people, but now that you might have heard his dog, then he, start, he oh, starts. Yeah. Now he's actually going to do something about. The situation. Right. And so he's he comes out with a gun. He had a rifle or a shotgun. I don't remember this a long time ago. And he said, Are you guys shooting at my dogs? And uh, one of the guys with us is a retired Marine. We have actually a lot of ex military guys that ride with us. And uh, no, sir, right. no, calm down, no, it was just a tire. We had to show the guy the tire, you know. Trying to deconflict it. Yeah. Yep. And it ended up being just fine. But it just shows you how things can escalate like really quick
2: absolutely and that's why in in your survival pack uh, your exercise survival pack if you want to have your cell phone you know we can take pictures you know take a picture of the individual call the police saying hey look I've, right. been, I've been in an incident the guy's got a gun you know keep him on the phone keep him right. talking This is my location and that way you know you're a harder target for that person who's really want to teach you a lesson and he'll probably think twice if he's if he's somewhat intelligent he'll think twice of, of really yeah. engaging you or hurting you
1: yeah so um Let's uh, move on to cars where people yell at you from a car. They're just messing with you. Now, normally yep. what I do is nothing. Um, and then sometimes if somebody's aggressive and honks, but they keep on going, I actually smile and wave back at them because what they want is a reaction out of you, like a middle finger. Absolutely. And they, they want
2: a reason to come after you.
1: Yeah. Well, they, yeah. And then if they're like, man, every time, every cyclist that I try to be an asshole to, just smiles and waves. Well, that's, I'm going to quit being an asshole because it doesn't even work. <laughs> it just makes them happier. I, right. I do the exact opposite of what they expect. And then right. on um, uh, one, I've done this actually several times, and this is, this is probably not that smart. This is me being cocky. Is A uh, guy right. honks and, and uh, swerves around me and yells, you know, get out of the road or whatever. And I wave at him with a big smile on my face. I wave at him, come back. And then they – this has happened uh, twice. They've stopped and gotten out of the car. And we're going to get to that in a second. What do you do when somebody actually gets out of the car? And by the time they've stopped, because I'm in control of the situation now, because I've asked them to stop. I've stopped, right. and I've pulled out my phone, and I've dialed 9 and 1. And also, uh, I've got my camera on them, and I've taken, I'm taking photos as they come out of the car. And they start talking trash as they come out of the car. What's your problem, man? You know, like, you want some of this or whatever? And I go, no, just hold still for a second. I'm taking your photo, so I've got it, and uh, I'm calling the cops that you're trying to run cyclists off the road. And the right. two the two times that I've done that, they've got back in their car and peeled out and taken off because they um and and that's I don't think that's actually smart because I'm creating a situation when I shouldn't. And I'm trying you are. to teach well, you, them a you are lesson. You're
2: escalating it a, a little bit, but you know you you did do some things right, such as you know yeah. not being a victim. Yeah. And and when confronted with that situation, you know, really meeting it head on with, with a alpha dog type mentality without being too confrontational.
1: Yeah, I think in a way, though, now that I, now that I think about it, I'm trying to teach them a lesson. And that's not the – I shouldn't be out there – you shouldn't be out there doing vigilante justice on, on people out there. That's <laughs> no, not...
2: because if they're going to do it, they really don't care yeah. if it's wrong. Because if they've done it, they've obviously made the conscious decision to do it. And you telling them it's wrong isn't going to convince them otherwise. <laughs> yeah, they're not going go to do dude. in spandex
1: it. about it, whether what's wrong or yeah. right. Okay, so... and, and
2: and everybody needs to keep in mind that when it comes to a game of chicken between you and a car, the car always wins. Oh, so, yeah. and... unfortunately, no matter how much of a type A personality you have or how yeah. much ability you got, got, yeah. you're on a bike. Yeah. You know, understand what the situation is and treat it for what it is.
0: Every... Is it
2: worth losing your life over or being severely injured? If it's not, which yeah. most of the times it is not, you know, avoidance. Just, just get out of the
1: area. Every, every video where I've seen this happen on the Internet. Okay, on a bicycle, we talked about you can carry an asp. The driver right. goes back to the car and gets either and a, get something bigger, a tire iron or <laughs> yeah, a baseball bat or, or a gun. Yeah, yeah. and so, yeah, yeah. It's, very, it's not very smart. <clears throat> but we, we did identify the smart thing. Is if they do pull over, don't do what I do and invite them to pull over.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, can you please kick my butt? It's
0: yeah. been a long time.
1: Let's have a I let's have a like. fist fight. But um, and <laughs> uh, uh, if they do pull over, start pull out your pull out your camera, your smartphone right then. Take photos and then if they ask you what you're doing, say and and warn. I guess warn them as they're getting out of the car. I, that's actually the smartest thing I would bet. Is as they're getting out of the car and coming at you. You yell out, "I'm dialing 911 right now." What about that? That sounds kind of smart. Yeah,
2: I mean, again, you know, use your environment to your advantage. Yeah. I wouldn't stand in, I wouldn't stay in one place. You are on a bike. Uh, yeah. You Get do off have the ability bike. to yeah. to well, no, 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 stay on the bike oh. and go away. You're on a bike. They're dismounted. They're on foot. You're much faster than they are. Ward oh, okay. the situation altogether. Yeah. Now, is that going to prevent them from jumping in their car and tracking you down? No, it's not. But what will is is what you did,
0: which is, hey.
2: I'm dialing 911. You know, whether or not you truly take a picture, I would I would try to take a couple of pictures of the situation and then you know put your phone up to your ear like you're really talking to the police. Yeah. You know, as you're pedaling away in the in a different direction where yeah. it would be more difficult for them to get to you.
1: Yeah. Don't be messing with Instagram and putting filters on your pictures and stuff. Yeah,
2: exactly. It's not a Facebook moment. <laughs> this is a time to go ahead and leave the area yeah. and, and be thankful that you can make it back home. Yeah.
1: Okay, and then let's see um let's say you actually get hit by a car and you're you're alive um what do you do if the guy stays versus if the guy leaves so let's say do you the guy gets out of his car and he's like oh my gosh i'm so sorry you know what do we do and your leg's broken you're maybe bleeding and stuff like that um right what do you do tell him to call 911 um, oh, absolutely, yeah.
2: absolutely. You, you're now a victim, and and now you know time is of the essence. If, if you know if you're not real sure what the injuries are, yeah. or you could have a, a traumatic injury, you know your your leg is in a funky 90 degree angle, or your arm, you know, or you can't move your neck. Um, if if you're in a significant crash and you find yourself on the ground, yeah. don't attempt to self recover right then and there. Don't attempt to stand up because if you do have some type of spinal injury, you're just going to exacerbate it. and You could po- possibly make your, uh, injury more severe than, than what yeah. it was. Yeah. So be still ask for assistance. Um, and that's where your survival pack also comes into play. If you are able to move your hands or arms and, and the, to keep from moving your spine, grab a hold of your survival pack, grab out your cell phone, dial 911, you know, dial your house, Hey, I've been in an accident. You know, can you come get me? Can you call the, the paramedics for me or something? Yeah. Dial 911, get them to your location right away. In the situation where if there's a guy leaving the scene, another part of your survival kit is a pen and paper. Sometimes you can't get on your phone quick enough and get that picture because it's all blurry and can't make out tags. Yeah. If you got a good phone with a with a good uh, camera in it, absolutely see if you can snap a photo as you're agonizing in pain and, and <laughs> trying to recover your your severed limb. You know. Uh-huh do the best you can you know, to, to try to capture the moment. Get a license plate number, something like that. Get a full description of the person, of the car, of the direction yeah. of travel because once EMS comes, police are going to be right behind them. Yeah. They're going to be asking you questions. Be able to answer as many questions as you can so that they can stop the guy. They can find him later. They may not find him that day, yeah. but it's a good chance they'll find him within that week and then justice will be
1: served. You, wanna, you want to be able, if you can, if you can get that license plate or part of that license plate number... Mm-hmm um start see it start repeating it out loud and then try to write it down as fast as you can because you're not going to remember it in five minutes absolutely absolutely
2: you know if you got to scrawl it in in the dirt next to you or
1: whatever grab a stick write it in the dirt i've even seen because this comes from boy scout first aid stuff where you somebody you have to put a tourniquet on somebody well there's a limited time that you can do that you write on their forehead with a permanent marker or any kind of whatever the time that you put that on So when, when uh, paramedics show up, they know what time it was when that was put on. And yeah. um, I'm thinking you could even, if you've got blood laying around, you could write on your own arm or on the pavement with your blood part of that license plate number. I know that sounds silly But that's what Well, no, that's to do. true.
0: You,
2: you do yeah. what you can, man. You, you do what you can to document the scene because you may be close to blacking out to where you're not able to communicate with anybody. Yeah. But if they see something <laughs> written next to you, the paramedics are going to take note of it. They're going to write it in their notes. And if the cops show up, the cops can take note of it and be like, "What was this about? Was this some numbers, some letters? Yeah. What was that about?" You know. Yeah. And then you can later describe it to them.
1: I'm and, uh, I'm laughing at kind of myself, but like how horrible this is. Like like the the paramedics show up and there's a guy that's passed out, but he's dragged his body in the with blood <laughs> on the pavement. <laughs> he's he's using his whole he's, body as a yeah. big ink stick. You know, yeah. just Both drawing big are... letters and numbers. Both legs are broken and compound fractures, but he's dragged himself into the letters like T, Z, three, nine, seven, four. He's like, I'm
2: running out of ink, and he's squeezing his thigh, trying to get some more to come out of the opening, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like, no, you need your blood, you moron. But no, the the stick in the dirt, or your finger in the dirt, is actually pretty Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. Okay, so I think we've covered enough for today. How do you feel? feel good, brother. How do you feel? I feel good, man. This was fun. (laughs) Have
2: a good time,
1: man. All right. Okay, well, we're going to pretend like we're hanging up. And I'm going to stay on the phone with Waylon. And y'all will have to wait <laughs> till another episode to catch up with my good buddy, man. So um, what city do you live in? In, in uh... You don't have to give away your city. Well, I, I, live in the tri-
2: I live in the Triangle in North Carolina. Okay,
1: yeah, I've been there. Okay. <laughs> Somewhere in the Triangle, Waylon lurks. Yeah,
2: in an undisclosed <laughs> location.
1: <laughs> in this compound. <laughs> That's awesome, right. man. Okay, stay on. All right?
2: Yeah, man. Not a problem, brother. It was, it was a pleasure talking to everybody, and I look forward to getting any kind of feedback or comments or, or questions that I can ask if anybody's got any.
0: Okay.
1: All right, super cool. Thank you, Waylon, and we might have him on the show again sometime. He, he's emailed me and said, Hey, <laughs> when, when is that going to air, man? He's excited to hear himself. And uh, he really is an all American badass. This guy is awesome. And I'm super stoked to be in touch with him again. And he's really an all around great guy. All right. That interview was brought to us by Amrita Health Foods. So you hear tons and tons and tons of people talking about Amrita bars. Amrita, Amrita, Amrita. Not like John Hirsch says, Amrita. It's Amrita, A M R I T A. HealthFoods.com, A-M-R-I-T-A, AmritaHealthFoods.com. If you go there and you use the discount code ZEN, all caps, you can get 15% off a ton of their stuff. Maybe all of it. I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't tried to buy everything on their site. But they have not only uh, the the uh, date bars that are nut allergen free and just incredible. So many people love them. They're fantastic. There's fat mixed in there with like chia seeds and seeds and all kinds of good stuff that um, they also have uh, 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 workout and racing kits, which look really good. The Amrita logo is beautiful and you wear this and people who know it, what Amrita is will immediately single you out and come over and start talking to you and go, You're awesome too? Wow, I love being awesome. Let's all be awesome together. So, when you see somebody in Amrita, they look good. And uh, you can feel good on the inside by getting some of these Amrita bars yourself. I eat uh, one or two a day, maybe. And it's just such clean, good energy. Okay. Amritahealthfoods.com, 15% off. Let's answer some questions. We have uh, donations and Hornet juice stuff. So... Ken Prasuti emailed me, I think, I think it's this is an email. I don't know. I collect all this stuff and throw it into a big show log and I read it. So uh, he says, I'm a bit behind on my listening or I would have posted sooner. I wanted to chime in on the cadence question that a listener sent in from the perspective of a chi running coach. So Ken, here is a chi running coach. This is nice. This is the beauty of the interwebs right here. If you take a look at the greatest runners in the world they'll tend to have the same cadence at the beginning of their race as they do at the end, regardless of speed. The reason is, comma, with good form, runners move faster by leaning their bodies further out. Maybe he means further forward. Is that what out means? This increases their stride length, so they can cover a greater distance at the same cadence. All right, so if you keep the same beat, or like Matthew McConaughey at the beginning of The Wolf of Wall Street, right? Starts hitting his chest like that. And remember how weird that was in the movie when he was doing that? And whatever he was singing, man, it was weird. Okay, anyway. So, um, well then how do you go faster at the same beat? Right? Well, the way you go faster is you increase your stride length. So it's more distance per beat. How do you increase your distance? You lean more forward and lift your leg up more. And then that's more distance. I've improved my pace. Oh, wait, this increases their stride length so they can cover a greater distance at the same cadence with less effort than if you tried to speed up the cadence. I've improved my pace by focusing on form and running with a metronome to keep my cadence steady. Okay, so a point here, this is Brett now speaking, is you can uh, listen to soundtracks. I think there's probably apps and stuff like that that'll be at a good beat. And I know I've gotten a lot faster biking by upping my cadence and getting used to a faster cadence. I'm going to keep snapping here while we read reading this. Anyway, do you ever have type, typing class and you had to type to a cadence? And they would do a slow cadence and you would type really slow, right? Hitting a keystroke every beat. And every week they would speed it up just a little bit more. It's a great way to teach people typing. Anyway, I don't want to go on and on, but I would definitely encourage anyone who runs to check out some of the chi-running materials out there. Thanks and love the show. Again, that's Ken Prusati, and he's a chi-running coach. Maybe you ought to check him out. Okay, we've got donations from... Dwayne Morin, 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 Jonathan Fisher, Vince Hancock, he's new, Miko Nyman, or Neiman, but probably Nyman. And then we've got an email from Julie from Down Under. Let me open this up. I'm also trying to figure out how to get all this stuff that I'm reading to you on the show as show notes. It'd be pretty cool. After listening to every podcast of yours, yeah, yours, since number 500, I made up that number. I decided it was definitely time to set up a recurring donation to you. You have helped me out a lot with info, and thanks to you, I now regularly order Amrita bars. Hey, you're smart. Hornet juice, and bought a Sunto Ambit 2S approximately a month ago. Good job. You're going to love that Sunto. You already do love it, I bet. I started triathlons, Olympic and half Ironman back in December of 2010, but I've not improved my time at all. <laughs> okay. Uh, due to constantly injuring myself. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm obviously doing something wrong. Yep. Uh, that's okay. We all do stuff wrong all the time. It gets very frustrating But I will keep trying to improve as I love triathlons and have been a tri-groupie, quote unquote, since I went to school with a bunch of pro triathletes. That was back in the late 80s. I can't believe that I still live and breathe it. Uh, I can tell you why you still live and breathe it because triathlon is good injury prevention versus a single sport because your leg starts to hurt running. Well, then you just bike and uh, 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 swim for a while and let your leg heal and then you go back to running, you're probably faster than you were because you took some time off running. Uh, Reading every possible magazine about triathlons that I can get my hands on. If I could live my own life over, I would love to be a professional triathlete. You and me both, if it paid enough. Uh, However, I guess I'd have to be like the world's best professional triathlete. Then it would pay enough, and then I'd be happy. Uh, However, back to reality, I have my next Olympic, I guess. She says OL, maybe in... Maybe in Australia, O-L means Olympic. Uh, triathlon, it's O-L-Y up here. In Noosa, in early November, this is my A race for the year, so I hope everything goes according to plan. Don't hope. Make a plan and stick to it. Got that, Julie? All right. Hope is <laughs> not an option. Uh, as Sunto says, replace luck with Numbers in their case. Uh, I'll send you a question from time to time and continue to enjoy listening to your podcast. Cheers. Julie Moody. Thanks, Julie. That was a really nice email. Oh, I got an email from some somebody uh, earlier this week and I sent it to my parents and Emily sent it to her parents. Like, look how Brett is making a difference in the world because somebody said um, uh, that um, I really, really made a big impact in their life. That was a really great email, by the way. You know who you are. Dwayne Morin. Oh, we already did that. John Fisher, Vince Hancock. Oh, we already did these. Okay. Uh, John Burns. So, John Burns ordered Hornet Juice. And when I, uh, and we'll get to the Hornet Juice in a minute, but when I get a Hornet Juice order, I send you a personal email. I hand type it every single time. I tried doing some copying and pasting for a while. And I didn't trust it. So I actually, hand, even though it's a lot of times it's the exact same email, I handwrite it every time. And I put your name in there. And then I also say, how is it going where you are? And I list out where you are. And uh, so I sent Hornet Juice to Tokyo earlier this week. And um, I almost said, how's it going in Queensland, Australia, when I was wrong. It was Melbourne, Australia and um and sent some to puerto rico uh today so um you always get a hand mail a hand written email hand typed email uh for me when you get your when you order your hornet juice so um order some hornet juice and the postage is really cool too we'll get to what hornet juice is in a minute um uh, Let's see. Things are good up here. Had a break from the heat this morning and rode for three hours at mostly MAF level, averaging 16-plus miles per hour. That's pretty good. Only 41 hours of recovery time for that ride compared to 120 for my Hotter in Hell ride last weekend. That's a ride, I think Hotter in Hell is around Waco. And it's 100 miles I guess maybe you can do different distances, but it is a son of a bitch. And it's, uh, God, it's, you know, August here. And riding 100 miles in August in north central Texas or wherever, uh, Wichita Falls or Waco. Yeah, it's Wichita Wichita Falls, I think. I'm sorry. I didn't mean Waco. (laughs) Sorry, I got hiccups. uh, That's one ride I don't want to do. Could I do it? Probably. Do I want to do it? I don't know. How bad do I want to get an IV afterwards? It's like three IVs. <laughs> Start an IV about halfway through and ride the, the last 50 miles doing it. Um, he used three packets of Hornet juice today. Oh, on, on his three-hour ride. Man, I got the hiccups. Hold on. Okay, I got things to do, so I'm just going to power through these hiccups. I got a glass of water now. Come here, water. Alright. Um. Oh, I interviewed Sid Garza Hillman yesterday. It was awesome. That'll be next episode. Okay. Ooh, that water's good. I got some more. Mm. I posted on Twitter to not worry so much about filtered water. My dog, my greyhound is 82 in dog years, and she drinks straight out of the toilet. She prefers the toilet. <laughs> so gross. Uh, We try to to yell at her and scream at her and put the lid down. You know, whoever left the lid up gets yelled at too. And uh, she's in there slurping away at the toilet. Um, Okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That was a squirrel moment. Um, Did you say that the Iron Baby, this is John again. Did you say that the Iron Baby would be on Sunday, November 9th this year? Yes, I did. I was planning on waiting until next year to do it because I figured it would conflict with 70.3 Austin. No, it is not. It is two weeks after 70.3 Austin. Okay, so what this is, Iron Baby, what he's asking about is every year I put on a self-supported Ironman. I do it in honor of the year that I did my very first Ironman. I did it all by myself out of my house. It was brutal, brutal. I was not at all good enough to be doing an Ironman, but I'd started training for one. And then Kai, my nine-year-old, was born uh, premature. So this is like 10 years ago. And he um, was in the hospital for two months, two and a half months before we could bring him home. He was super preemie and um, they just told me to go home and earn a paycheck and keep, uh, keep keep my job. So we had insurance cause this was going to be really expensive. It's $10,000 a day, uh, level three or level four NICU neonatal intensive care unit at children's hospital in Houston. So, all right, I'm back. Somebody called and it messed up the phone. Um, uh, $10,000 a day. And, um, so because he was born so early, I was planning on doing an Ironman in a few weeks or like a month. Yeah. About another month. And, um, but now, uh, I was told just to sit on my ass and I was so frustrated and as dads can get, um, the moms are doing all this work and they're working so hard and the dad in this situation, me, um, is told pretty much just to do nothing and it's really frustrating. So I decided to do my first ever Ironman, um, i a- cut by myself because I couldn't go do the one that I'd signed up for because it was too far away and I needed to stay close to the uh, hospital. And, um, but I just decided on a Saturday to go do the Ironman myself, uh, to show that if the hospital or the doctors or the nurses would actually give me something to do. And if I could, if I could try, this is how hard I would, I would try. I would try to nearly kill myself for my own son Um, if given the opportunity, um, and I did it out of pure, uh, love and frustration and show of heart and, um, how, uh, and respect. One thing that keeps coming to mind, it's hard to explain, um, Kai, you know, even though he was just born, was trying his hardest. You could tell, you know, he was just breathing and metabolizing and, uh, And just existing was a miracle that how hard he was trying, how life, you know, was trying to make it. And all these nurses, man, these the best nurses in the world doing everything they can. Everybody's exhausted, you know, trying to, and he is too, you know, trying to keep him growing and and, uh, not getting sick and all this stuff. And uh, out of respect for how hard everybody was trying, especially Kai, Um, I was going to show that if somebody would ask me to do something, this is how hard I would try. And so I went out and did my first ever Ironman. It took me 17 hours and something probably. Um, I don't have the exact time on me, but I could probably go look it up someday. But um, what I did is I swam at a local pool and then I drove to my house and then I rode my bike around uh, for 112 miles. I GPSed it and I just, rode all over the place for 112 miles. And then I uh, ran, walked, (laughs) I tried to run, uh, almost died out there, a marathon by GPS. And I just kind of ran wherever. I used my house as the aid station. And um, I did it again. It was so cool and so awesome that I did it again. The next year and then the next year, and I've had stuff where like on the course there's been construction and like I had to shoulder my bike and cross a muddy creek channel, um, uh, several times. It's been, uh, one time I did it and it was a high, the average temperature all day was probably 40 degrees, that, no, 38. And I got hypothermia the moment I, I, uh, stopped. Um, so anyway, this has been going on, this will be the 10th annual cause it's, uh, a celebration of, of, uh, well, it's just a repeat of what we did, um, and we raise money for March of Dimes, and uh, anybody can participate. Just got a. Um, there's no entry fee, but uh, try to raise some money for March of Dimes, and and that's cool. Whatever you can, and um, and then we raise money the entire way. March of Dimes is a kids' uh, premie, a lot of premie stuff, which Kai was, so it works out um, uh, fund, and. <laughs> The thing is, is the Iron Baby is up to an Ironman distance. Well, I guess you could go longer if you want. And it's, uh, but the swim, you can do as much of the swim as you want. You can do as much of the bike as you want. And you can do as much of the run as you want. want. So we have lots of people do a half Ironman. Um, It's really loosely organized and totally self-supported. And we use my house as the aid station. And stuff is on loops, so you swing by the house every once in a while and pick up more fuel and and um, this will be the 10th year, so it's, it's pretty well organized. We have a beer sponsor and a bike store sponsor and uh, all kinds of fun. It ends up being a lot, a lot of fun. And um, next year, we're talking about doing the Ultra Baby, so possibly doing an Ultraman distance, which is a, over a double Ironman, I think, um, but spread out over three days, so it's the three stages and uh, we're talk- and calling it Ultra Baby next year, just for fun. And you can do as much of that as you want. Um, Gary, last year, did he would have posted the fastest Iron Baby time ever, except that he, um, he was training for Ironman Florida, so he cut the run short either halfway through or after 10 miles when he was happy that his training was nailed down. And uh, then he went uh, a while later and did a low 10 at Ironman Florida. Right. Um, uh, I think Brian boom, uh, Brian bro, tri boomer has done the full iron baby. Morgan came year before last or last year and did the full iron baby. So there's been a few of us that have finished the entire iron baby, but tons of people have done Olympic distance. Um, the swim and the bike and not the run, uh, half Ironman distance, you know. So it's all it's all kinds of stuff. So um, very very happy to have uh, people come. Send me an email at texafornia at gmail dot com if you want to come down so that we can start a group email on uh, accommodations and. And what it takes to actually do it, um, a self-supported Ironman or self-supported triathlon of any distance is pretty freaking badass to say that you did it um, without any. You got, you got your friends and your family, but you don't have uh, a lot of pressure and a lot of crowds uh, cheering you on. It's really you getting it done. When I did my first one, my first several, no crowd, nobody, just me by myself doing a full Ironman um, and believe me, every time you swing by the house, that couch looks really, really good. <laughs> so to keep going is such determination and such willpower that it's you that's doing it. It's really amazing. And, uh, the run course is a ton of fun. Now we've, uh, done this same run course now for a few years. It's a, uh, it's a looping course and uh, you get to swing by the house every time and see your friends and family. And, and it's a really, it, actually loops are kind of fun because it gets to be really reliable. You know, what's coming up next. I actually like it. It was pretty cool. At first I thought it was insane, but then now I actually like it. Nine loops. Um, okay. So this year it's on November 9th, a Sunday instead of a Saturday, and it looks like we're we're going to try to do an open water swim and then at the lake and then bike from the lake to my house. And that'll be about a quarter of the Ironman run, uh, bike ride. And then from my house, do three more, uh, loops, you know, kind of like around until we hit 112 miles. And then, uh, now we got a course and you can preview the course and all that stuff. So, um, unlike the first time, few times I did it where I just did it by GPS, um, uh, made my own course as I was out there doing stuff. So, um, November 9th, two weeks after 70.3, my training strategy personally is I'm going to do, I'm training my ass off for the 70.3 and then I'm going to rest for two weeks and then do this full Ironman, uh, as a, you know, from the, from the residual, from doing that half Ironman and trying to kick ass. Um, now, so let's go back to John. Uh, now I'm toying with the idea of coming down this year. Yeah, dude, come down. Just not sure if I'm ready for a full Ironman yet. Doesn't matter, dude. You can do as much of it or as little of it as you want, and you still get all the free beer that you want. Uh, Microbrew Ale, New Republic Ale. Um, I'd have to majorly get off my butt and in, and get my butt in gear and increase my training volume. Yeah, dude, that's why you sign up for races. Emily's all of a sudden started training a lot more on her bike because uh, she signed up for a, um, a charity ride. Signed me up, too. And, and uh, I guess who's on the bike a whole lot more you know, so it works. It's cool. Um, more donations, Tyler Moyer, Ken Soderquist, longtime donor. What's up, dude? Uh, Paul Johnson, Spiros Fest, Fest, I always want to say Festus, Fetsus and Julie Callahan. So, uh, we're about to go into the training log and you're about to get a whole lot more training information and tips. But if you feel like that, this podcast has helped you in your training and in your triathlon endeavors and in your racing and in your life, because a lot of stuff I talk about isn't about triathlon at all, it's about time management and life management and goal setting, then um, consider uh, supporting the show. And it's super easy to do. You go to the left side of zentriathlon.com, and there's two donation options. You can do a one-time donation, or set up a recurring donation. Recurring is less than 4 bucks a month. So it's like a dollar a podcast. And the, um, the, the one-time donation is awesome as well. And right in the one-time one, you can post um, a message. It, that's the way PayPal works. It has a little box. Like if you want a message. Send me a, a coaching question or something you want me to shout out. And I'll do it. And um, either way, you get my email address. And um, you can send me questions, and I'll answer your questions on the show. I do that for donors, man. It's cool. And then also another awesome way to support the show, which has ended up being great, is to get hornet juice. So I saw this crazy, crazy stuff, but it actually works. And I only endorse stuff that I know actually works. And it's called hornet juice, and it is made in a lab. And it's amino acid that is the exact same amino acid as the Japanese Killer Hornet. No joke. Google it, Hornet Juice, and <laughs> check this stuff out. It's insane. But the amino acid blend is ha, has been proven over and over again to um, turn on your metabolism of body fat. So you take a little bit of it before you start working out. It's a long workout. And then... Um, Another packet, like uh, they recommend about once every hour and a half. Uh, Mix it in with your fuel. And then uh, you will be blown away by the amount of energy that you've got uh, using this stuff. It's really nuts. It's just like you've turned into a a giant diesel engine. It's incredible because now you're using your body fat in conjunction with your fuel. And it's really, really impressive. And it's super cool because you get an email from me. Saying, "Hey, what's going on?" And wherever you live—Paris, Norway, uh, Colorado, Miami, Puerto Rico—and and and then the postage is actually a blast too. It comes from New Zealand, and uh, the postage—the last one I had has uh, whales all over it because New Zealand's a whaling country, and lots of stamps. It's pretty neat, and you show your kids and your friends, "Look, stuff came from New Zealand." But it's Japanese killer hornet spit. It's saliva. It's spit. And I take this and then my eyeballs bug out of my freaking head and I just can't stop working out. <laughs> it's good stuff. All right. And that's on the right side of the, uh, of the website, zentrathlon.com. And that really helps support the show. Um, people love this stuff. I get emails all the time. From people who are like, holy crap, this really works. And I'm like, yeah, buddy, it does. It is really, really cool. Be careful with it, man. It's a ton of energy, and it's only 60 calories because the amino acids—it's amino acids and uh, not uh, a ton of carbs. Um, Oops. Oh, Julie is affiliated with the uh, one of the donors that we just mentioned is affiliated with thepedalshop.com, and go check her out at yeah, thepedalshop.com com but shop is s h o p p e two p's and an e it's all fancy and then let's see we're about to get into the training log i hope i have uh two more sponsor things to mention one is compete hub and we need to talk to compete hub about joining up with trainer view holy crap compete hub is super super smart you sign up with uh with them and you get to check out race courses and uh, hill profiles and, and it's kind of like the Facebook of of uh, triathlon. It's so much better than Active.com. You get to preview courses. You get to do a whole bunch of stuff. They tell you the average temperature of water, the um, average temperature of the day. It is really really neat stuff. And they are a proud sponsor of Zen Tri. So go check it out. Start looking for races on Compete Hub. And it'd be really cool if they talked with realtimeathlete.com and got a course. Each course had the real-time athlete course built in on Compete Hub so you could go test, ride it. They ought to talk. Compete Hub, go talk to them. And another thing I want to mention is, hey, if... Um, you want to get mentioned on the show, you want to promote your event or your company, or you want to propose somebody to get married while you're on a tandem bicycle together, riding across the desert at Burning Man or something like that, then uh, let me know. And uh, advertising on Zentri is only 100 bucks every month. That's it. So you could get a month's worth and... Get your race promoted. Get all kinds of stuff promoted. Um, get your team promoted. What's something else you could promote? Um, get your charity promoted. Um, hmm. Hmm. Get your dog a Facebook page and get it uh, likes. <laughs> 100 bucks. It's worth it one time. To see what happens, man. We've got, um, we have uh, like 2,500 downloads a day. So that's your target audience right there. You can't beat it. All right, let me see if we have any other sponsors before we get into the training log. And let's see, I'm looking at that Julie stuff right here. But oh yeah, check out the Sunto Ambit 3. It's now hit the market. I think it's nuts. It's awesome. And yeah, I think that's it. Is that it? That's it. All right, let's get started with the training log. Tons of stuff in here. I take you with me on full Ironman, really half Ironman focus right now, uh, training uh, with me everywhere that I go and lots and lots of cool stuff in there, tips and tricks and nutrition and productivity and time management. It just goes on and on and on and it's with me all the time and uh, right before I started recording this show, I was recording something for the training log on the next episode. So you see how this all goes. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, lots of fueling discussion, I think, in this world. Uh, Adventures with Kai. So let's go ahead and get started with the training log. Here we go.
2: You are entering the Zentrite Training
0: Log Zone. Kuneli. Hi,
1: everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a trash. I'm a trash. I decided it's time I got some friends
2: more suited to my status.
0: But, Joe, we've been friends for years.
2: Hey, we all
1: make mistakes.
0: Come on, dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit ups till I poop myself!
1: Alright, welcome to a new training log. Oh, it is August 26th. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, Start date August 26th. 2014. And. Wow, Uh, intervals on the bike this morning, really good stuff. I'm going to get to that in a second. For a moment, I want to talk about user experience and how that makes all the difference in the world. Product design. So, as triathletes, we need to be flossing our teeth because we get crap stuck between our teeth uh, and with all the carbs and stuff that we tend to eat, it wrecks our teeth. And I have found something that is really, really cool. So, up until... uh, golly, not just a few days ago or a few weeks ago. I used to hate flossing my teeth. would never do it. i never get around to it. But I uh, found that... Um, I found the dental floss that is so freaking cool that it uh, makes you want to do it. And that is a huge success in product design and also a huge thing to know in uh, lifestyle hacking and lifestyle design is um, so many of the things that, habits and things that you wanna get done in life, you're not doing them because the interface sucks and it's just not fun. And if you make something more fun uh, or or more interesting or more tactile, uh, it keeps drawing you back in, then you actually really start the habit. It's a huge win in, in getting things done getting the right things done. So I'm just going to, you know, Oral-B, I'm just going to say one brand of, there's probably plenty of other dental floss that are like this, but there's this one Oral-B dental floss that is, uh, it's in a blue container. (laughs) For whatever reason, it looks like it's got a pistol grip on it, kind of like inundated, like for your fingers to help hold it open. It's a light, semi-translucent blue. But anyway, the Ribbon the the floss the actual material itself is uh is so slick and just wonderful when you slide it between your teeth you're like wow and when you go back and use regular dental floss it feels like you're flossing your teeth with a bag of leaves it's so nasty and and this makes you want to come back and use it it's so cool so again it's blue oral b i forgot the exact product name but it's sitting in my desk drawer at work and i can't wait to get to work to floss again And that's uh, really cool. So if you're finding, uh, you're having difficulty doing something, a lot of times, look, the solution is uh, in the design of the tools that you're trying to use. It makes it fun. Um, And then the other one was uh, this trash can that we bought last episode, this uh, $80 trash can on sale for $60 from the container store that's just got smooth operation, is so well-built and well-designed that it makes you want to use it. Well, Kai and I have been throwing away our trash, which is amazing for boys to do because we leave trash all over the place because it's fun to actually use the trash can and it's fun to like throw things in it, you know? It's so cool. So um, that's another product design win right there. And then you start thinking about that and you're like, wow, you know, there's so many things in the... In the sport, like say you're trying to get triathlon training done and racing done, look for things that are irritating. This it's the whole Zen, uh, being self-aware. You're like, I don't want to get up and run because I don't like my running shoes. Well, get freaking new running shoes, man. And uh, I don't like I don't keep track of my training log because it's too difficult. Uh, to upload my stuff and keep, keep track of it. Well, if that's the case, nowadays you're, you're doing it wrong because there's plenty of devices that upload stuff automatically. I know my Sunto Ambit 2 uploads, um, you just hook up the watch to charge it. Boom. It uploads all the workouts and then opens up the internet browser on that page. So you can look at it and see your workouts. And then you're like, wow, that's really cool. And then I copy the URL at the top and then tweet it. And it's that simple, you know. And now you're removing obstacles. So now it's no longer a pain in the ass to get things done. But actually, it's fun to get things done, you know. So look for that kind of stuff. Um, I don't, uh, my goggles always leak. Well, freaking buy new goggles, you know. It's not that big of a deal. Just order them on Amazon and have them delivered to your house. Kaiman, Aquasphere Kaimans are like really popular. They work really well. Try those. Uh, There's all kinds of things where um, you're not doing the stuff that you need. If you're not doing the stuff that you want to be doing, there's usually some kind of interface issue, product uh, issue, or you're using old crap that's, your tire always goes flat, right? You don't know how to change tire. We'll learn how to fix that, or get a different tire, or a different system, and then, then that problem's taken care of. Okay. So the other thing was uh, really good bike intervals this morning. Sit on the sit on the trainer, kind of pedaling along, watching YouTube videos, listening to Godsmack and Megadeth and Pantera on the headphones um, on Pandora and. Uh, uh once you find one good triathlon video guess what shows up as as related suggested videos is more triathlon videos and uh, once look for ones that are a little bit longer and then that way um, you're not always having to go to the next one And um, warm up watching that stuff uh, then after about 20 minutes you can see that your power and heart rate numbers are nice and happy where you like to be, and then start knocking out intervals, pretend like you're climbing hills, go hard, and then rest, and go hard, and then rest, and then you do about three or four of those, guess what, you're you're almost at an hour, it's really cool, and you got your hour workout in, legs are all jacked, pumped, feel good, and then uh, clean yourself up, don't leave a mess around, and that's it. Oh, yeah, and then I take my watch, hook it up to the computer, uploads, and then automatically goes to Strava, and then emails start coming in, hey, this guy's thumbs up your ride on Strava, you know, like everybody's happy, it's a good morning, everything starts rolling along, just like that, bam, 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 consistency, and that's how you get it done. All right, that's it, out, bang. All right, I'm back. We're at the pool. Oh man, the high school band quit playing. You were about to hear them in all their glory. Nice little swim. Doing fart lick swims, which is not licking your farts in the pool. It is self-designed up and down. We're gonna hang here for a second. Oh, there's the band director yelling through his megaphone. It's the Brian, the city of Bryan, Bryan High School band and like whatever the flag squad stuff is and i swam for about 50 something minutes put my wet stuff in the box over the xterra and yeah you get in start swimming hey bird you get in and start swimming and then after you've warmed up a bit push the pace till it starts to burn and then back off and then just keep repeating fartlek means speed play in Swedish oh man I got a uh, note on Twitter oh, I, for- I forgot his name the guy I interviewed about a year ago that swam the English channel All Butterfly <laughs> he-, he and I were talking about fartlek because he's in Sweden I think he's French but he lives in Sweden and so we were talking about the name here we go here goes the band Somebody just fall down. Oh, no, that's a move. (laughs) Modern dance. Here come the drums. And the Aggies played South Carolina last night, and we crushed them. Oh, that sounds out of tune. Uh, it's kind of pretty. Anyway. And, uh... I've been doing two different kind of fart licks. Um, one is really gets a lot of results, but man, you know, it might be just for single sport where you do three hard intervals until failure, maybe four. And I've noticed that, and with a long warm up first, I've noticed that it's really, it does seem to drain you, you know, for everything else. And maybe a smarter kind of fartlek might be just kind of sprinkle it in kind of here and there. For triathlon, for long-distance triathlon, all these sports are different. Triathlon's different than cycling, and long-distance triathlon is different than short-distance triathlon. So it all kind of gets mixed up. And another cool thing is the hyperlapse video on, uh, well, and by Instagram, it's an app and you shoot a video and then it speeds it up. And I've gone, I've gone through, um, uh, it creates a hashtag with most of hyperlapse. Automatically creates a, creates a hashtag hyperlapse when you post it. Um, you can remove that hashtag if you want. And I've been searching through every people's every people everybody's hyperlapses and i've noticed something there's a good way i want to give a tip (laughs) on uh, a good way to take photos and videos and hyperlapses and such hyperlapse especially because there's no sound unless you dub music over it or you know go into some kind of editor and add in stuff so natively it doesn't have any sound Definitely use the hyperlapse thing. It is really cool. You got to check it out. It's its own separate app. But um, make your hyperlapse video tell a story, and then uh, use the speed settings on how fast it plays it back to determine on whether or not uh, to make the story interesting to keep somebody's attention or not. Right? Don't make it boring, and don't make it so fast that it sucks. So. Um, The coolest hyperlapse videos are something where somebody's doing something with a beginning, a middle, and an end. And sometimes not a middle, just a beginning and an end. And um, the worst hyperlapse video, I just go through like eight of them before I find one that's any good. Eight of them are are just, uh, you can't even tell what the point is. Right? It needs a point. It needs a purpose. And if you're doing the hyperlapse thing, then, you know, so the two I've done, is, um, walking out of the swim locker room. And in the title of it, I say getting video of walking from the locker room to get into the pool. Right. And so then it's telling a story. Like it's a video of me walking of my point of view of walking out of the locker room, along the deck and then turning in a corner and then boom, jumping in. Right. So it's a story. <sighs> and then you're like oh that's kind of cool and then you can kind of what you're doing is you're helping give people an idea of what the scenery looks like when you're doing something that you've told them about and now with the hyperlapse video you've kind of sped it up so that they get it in a five second soundbite you know of what it actually looks like while you're doing this thing and um the other one i did was uh the training room my training cave my pain cave for um at my house you know so it's walking into the the room from the outside walking into the room there's a cat in my room and then it turns around a corner and then there's my bike and then there's metals on the wall and then it's like you're getting on the bike and then you see what's on the laptop in front of the bike so it's like this is what it's like getting ready to get on the trainer and that's exactly what I was doing and now you're telling a story with the hyperlapse thing and that's actually good advice for um, taking photos and posting them online um, You want your photos to tell a story in one shot, you know? It's like a journey where the, where the person viewing it is kind of like, oh, I wonder, they're kind of mystified a little bit. Like, oh, if I was there, I would go down that road. Because you show a road, like, disappearing off into the horizon. It's like an action caught, and you can tell something's happening, and you're wondering what's going to happen in the end. So the coolest hyperlapse videos I've seen were um uh cycling in Moscow in the rain from point A to point B. And then so what you do is you automatically automatically go, "Oh, I would want to go to Moscow and oh, cycling in the rain's kind of tough in traffic, right?" And then you're like, "Oh, I've biked in the rain." It's so, like all these thoughts are going through your head like, "Wow, that's pretty neat." Um I could picture myself doing that, right? And then next thing you know, the video's over, and you're like, oh, I want to see that again. See, that's a good video. And then uh, driving uh, from point A to point B was kind of cool. And there's this one video of people, dri- of somebody driving, um, out. you know, the video was taken from his windshield. Oh my, people, really? Okay. <laughs> you can merge with the freeway higher than 50 miles an hour, faster than 50 miles an hour. And then the, um, but there was lightning. It was a, during a rainstorm at night. And so every once in a while, lightning went off. And that's your random reinforcement, right? It's like, when is the lightning going to go again? And so you're sitting there and waiting and waiting. And boom, and it lights up the area around you. And, um, and then another one was, um, there's big waves in California right now. So it's a hyperlapse video of somebody standing on the beach shooting the, um, the, uh, the shoreline. And all the people like coming and going and getting in the water and the waves crashing and it's really really neat because it's telling a story of like hey there's this thing going on how do humans interact with this thing going on and then you see all this random stuff you know and it's like the ocean is a constant it's going to make waves and crash crash waves but what do the people do know, against these waves, when they throw themselves against these waves, and it just kind of comes, it shows how the people kind of come and go, and come and go, come and go, and interact, like ants, against a, against, uh, uh, just mother nature, you know, something that's constant, so that's the other way to do it, you view, you film something that's constant, and show people trying to, like, trying to interact against it, it's pretty neat, man, I am hungry, I need to eat something, (laughs) Oh man. Oh, and I've started training with um, TrainerView, TrainerView.com. The Austin seventy-three point bike course is in there. You just search for it. Boom, shows up. And um, on the trainer last night, I think I got through. I biked for almost an hour, and I got through like I'm trying to think about how much. I'm trying to remember what mile I was on. Mile fifteen maybe so yeah the pavement is uh is really rough in places in one place the roads gravel that's because when they shot the video when google shot the street view it was um the road wasn't paved yet or they were repaving it so it was torn up in the gravel so it makes you think holy crap this road's going to be gravel but it's not but it is ranch roads and and not ranch roads it's uh texas it's county roads a lot of it some of it's nice um, it's very much like uh, where I live, <clears throat> so it's going to be really, really cool. And I'm starting to try to memorize where the turns are, and what mile big turns are, and where the hills are. I can already tell there's uh, there's four hills. You know they're gentle. They're just kind of slight grades, so that's pretty cool too. All right, that's it. Out bang. All right, I'm here with Kai. We're in the Zentripe Mobile Studios, and it's raining tacos out of of the the sky.
0: sky. Tacos, no No need to ask ask why. why.
1: Lettuce, shells, and meat. Something. Anyway, oh my God, my fly's on that. Hold on. (laughs) Ah. So what's up, dude? What's up? What's up? all right kai and i we don't need that much air conditioning kai and i are on the way to the neighborhood pool and we're gonna swim i'm gonna swim did you bring your swimsuit yes are you wearing it yes okay and when kai gets bored because kai is on kid time right and time goes by so slow he may decide that he wants to go do something else. And I say this from experience. of I swim three minutes. And then Kai's like, what are we doing now? So we brought your scooter, dude.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And this is going to be another one of those bits. Kai's gone comatose. He looks like a zombie. And that way, Kai can go ride his scooter around when he gets bored. And... I can keep swimming so I can work my muscles. Hey, your buddy Paul? Yeah. Your buddy Paul's a machine, man, the way he likes to run and stuff?
0: Uh-huh.
1: That's pretty good. Tell me about your your uh, Legos that you're wanting to get. Um, you have the train and the, and the, what was the other one?
0: Helicopter and a fire plane.
1: Yeah, tell me about the trees that are on fire.
0: It's pretty weird.
1: And this is all Lego stuff? Yes. So Kai's on the iPad, just consumed with his birthdays coming up, consumed with which Lego set he wants the most, and it's just, it's so typical of all of us, right? We're like, I can't decide, and then it just starts sucking up your time, and I'm like, Kai, put down the iPad, and let's go do something. Yeah. You're still thinking about it, aren't you? Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So I'm like, let's go do something. It's early Sunday morning. It's Labor Day weekend. I have the day off tomorrow, but Kai has to go to school. Ha 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 ha,
0: ha. Can you pick me up as a walker?
1: Yeah, I bet we could do that. Okay. But we are going to go see Guardians of the Galaxy this afternoon at 1 o'clock.
0: Okay. It's amazing.
1: And I'm stoked about that. I have some tips for you. One, Amrita bars just sent an email out to everybody, if you're on their email list, that they just got certified or test results or something from the University of Nebraska Allergy Testing Center. Um, the highest score you can make on being allergy proof and that it won't cause allergies, the best you can do is less than five parts per million, five ppm of allergens. And they beat it. They got less than five ppm so if you have allergy problems, like uh, uh, William Huffman, the pro that's from uh, College Station, Texas, that's now in the ITU World Circuit, he has a nut allergy. And he can eat read a bars and not have to worry about it. And let's see, there's something else. Kai, remember when you and I were at the container store the other day? Uh-huh. And how cool that was, where we got the trash can? Oh, and Mommy admitted last night, without me asking or anything she said that she loves it how the new trash can look at all that dirt guy guy look at all that dirt on your mountain bike you could go ride that today dude i've done that look here's a cyclist with the blinky light whoa that is i want that look at that holy cow that was bright (laughs) anyway um Uh, what was I saying? Oh, that was way too much of a squirrel moment. Oh, we were at the container store. Oh, we got that trash can. And then mommy got mad at us. And I said, you just start using it and you watch. She said that she does love how it's bigger and you can just keep throwing trash in it before it fills up and you have to take it out to the, the bigger trash that we keep out in the garage or on the curb. So that was cool. Anyway, the container store sells clips that are used to like you twist the top of bread and it's these clips that just clasp shut and snap shut and the first time I ever saw them I thought oh that's perfect for a gel because then you could eat as much gel as you want and then clasp it shut I
0: saw that
1: today yeah and then um here's a dude jamming looks like papa you clasp it shut and then it won't leak gel all over your pocket or all over your hands and you can keep on going. So if you're running, you can throw it back in your running shorts or anywhere because it'll keep it clasped shut. If it's on your bike, you can put it back in your jersey pocket. And that way you only have to take half of a gel at a time um, or a third or just a sip of a gel to keep going. So you're not just saturating yourself in sugar. And um, Anyway, you can get those at the container store. I forgot the exact name of them, but I think if you uh, search their store for clips or, or something like that, chip clips, there's this certain kind. Look at, look at them running, man. Look at that lady running with her dogs. That one little dog looked funny. Looked like he was really trying to haul ass. guy, look at the pool. Smooth as glass, dude. Let's ruin that.
0: Okay.
1: Let's jump in that stuff. Somebody left a towel for us. Look at that. How, how how kind. Oh, uh, look at Uncle John's house. There's just garbage all out front. That's what happens when you move stuff. Anyway, um, what was the other thing? Oh, and I was listening to uh, the Do You Try, and it's D U for Do, as in Do Athlete podcast uh, with Keith Burtis, and he was recording in his car, and it was perfect. I was just sitting there listening and focusing on something else. He was going off about diabetes and training, and all kinds of cool stuff, while he was in his car, and the sound quality was good, and I was like, this is exactly the kind of thing where it's got information, I can't stand it anymore, he's going to get out, you can't, you can't stand it, wait, no, you love it, because it's information, and it's just kind of background talking, so it's keeping your mind busy, and you can do something else at the same time while you're learning, and, um, I just loved it, man. I was like, cool. And it motivated me to do more of this, um, where I can talk and give details and tips while I'm driving. Cause it's a really good use of your time. Cause while you're driving, you're, you really can't do anything, but you can talk and drive at the same time. All right. And it seems like one way talking isn't a distraction like texting and, and whatever, cause you're just talking and you hold the mic up to your mouth. If you have an automatic transmission, then, uh, it makes it really, really easy. So, um, what's Kai doing? Uh, okay, let's go hit the pool. Out, bang. All right, we're done. That was a half hour swim with Kai. I did a hyperlapse video of him going around the pool in circles on his scooter. That was pretty cool. <laughs> and uh, warm up, and then three or four intervals of hard. And Kai, where'd you go on your scooter, man?
0: Around your little loop two times.
1: And oh, out on the park. street and the park? Yeah. That's cool. All right, let's get out of here. And let me throw this gel away. So what I did is... Let me see if there's anything left in it. Oh, there's some left, Kai. Mm. No, there wasn't much. Okay. And I used that bread clip thing and had about a third of the gel as I was starting, and then another third, about halfway through, and then finished it off as needed. I mean, a gel is just basically cake icing, if you look at the ingredients. So, spreading it out over time is probably a little bit better for you than, or it is better for you than huge dose all at once. And, I got all these gels sitting in the, in the pantry from races and stuff. And... Let's see, there's something else. Oh, how to swim. So, your legs are tired from, like I did a hard bike ride yesterday. So, legs are tired from uh, that. Uh, They need to rest. They don't need to be pumping away, kicking. And actually, the better the swimmer you are, the less you kick. So, you can practice on being a better swimmer by not kicking very much and getting your feet up. If you don't kick and you're not a good swimmer, you'll notice that your feet sink big time. It's the whole thing where you can tie your ankles together with a bandana. And they make a device, a strap. It's just Velcro. Tie your ankles together and watch your feet sink. Um, well, just hold your ankles together willfully. And swim. And it relaxes... Or it helps recover your legs. Because of the water pressure and this feels good. And it makes you work your upper body harder. Which is a good workout. And... What else does a do kai? Makes it rain tacos?
0: Yeah, it does.
1: <laughs> what is it? How does it go? It's raining tacos from out of the sky. Tacos. No need to ask why. Just open your mouth and close your eyes. It's raining tacos. That's from the Lego movie? No. I thought it was Taco Tuesday. Taco song. Anyway. Taco song. And then the last thing it does is um, it trains you to get your feet up and um, without kicking so much, which is more of a a core and water comfortability thing. And um, so that teaches you to not use your legs so much. And then the energy that would be going to your legs is now going to your arms. And then you're saving your legs for the track, for the bike, and the run. All around. It's just awesome, awesome, awesome way to swim. So, look, they're building a new house, guy. that would be cool to jump over that on a BMX bike. Yeah. This this big bump right here along the side of the road. Just go at it full speed and then ramp off of it. Right there. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, right there. You got to go ride your, your uh, BMX, your mountain bike, on all that construction stuff that we passed by. That'd be awesome. We already did not today maybe something's changed anyway all right that's it out bing hey thanks for going with me that was you're fun
0: welcome. you're welcome
1: you're welcome you're welcome thank you <laughs> bye oh i i wanted to give kai a special thanks for being my training buddy because he jumps in the pool and starts trying to climb on top of me yeah they have goats and donkeys guy. um while I'm trying to swim laps, so he throws a pool chair in, gets, puts that in my way, and then, but you were on my back, and I'm swimming laps with you holding onto my neck in my back, right? Yeah. And we would wrestle every once in a while while I keep trying to swim laps, and that's actually a really good race simulator But <laughs> people trying to mess with you while you swim. So thanks, man. You're supposed to say something back. Okay. Uh, all right, bye. All right, I'm back. I'm running with Kona. Hey, boy. It's really hot. And we're running easy, easy, easy. It's Monday evening, Labor Day. (laughs) He sped up once we realized we were turning around. He's like, I can be down with this. I'll go home. And I had a really interesting day today. Kai's at school. So I went for a bike ride. Lots of people out riding bikes. Lots of parents. It's like Parents Freedom Day because all the kids were in school and now what do we do? When Kai got home from school, we told him that that all the parents in our neighborhood got together and we went to the go-kart track and raced go-karts and he gave me a look. (laughs) Like, you bastards. And then we said we were just kidding. We didn't do that. Oh, now you're speeding up, huh? Are you ready to go home? Oh, there's a dog. Anyway. So. There's this long out-and-back that I like to ride on. <laughs> with one stop sign. And it's at an intersection where there's literally nothing out there. It's a car every few minutes. And I've actually just recently started getting the habit of looking for cop cars. And if I see one, I stop and put my foot down. I very, very much do not think I'm above the law. And... I don't agree at all with bikes having to stop at stop signs. There's some cities, and I think the state of Utah or something like that, that's passed ordinances where you just need to slow down and yield, that for cyclists, stop signs are yield signs, because unlike pushing a gas pedal on a car, oh, we got the chihuahuas, This hasn't happened in a while. Stopping and starting on a bike is a ton of work. And if you want to get more people out cycling and encourage a cycling environment, just have them slow down and check both ways and then keep going. So, Kona's now dragging me down the street. It's a little doggie, yeah. Oh, here it comes. And now it's, got, now it's got some balls. It's coming back. It barked. It's more like it squeaked. That's all right, Colin. There's a Dalmatian up here you ought to pay more attention to. Anyway. But well, I'm very much a friend of the cop's. I love police officers because I love calling them when my life gets difficult and some jerk is causing problems. I'll call a cop so fast, make their head spin, and, uh, hold on, I need a sip of water. I can't do that while jogging and holding a microphone. and I work with cops I'm not in the police department but I work with lots of people in a police department and I'm friends with lots of cops so one thing that I know is that I don't know their job and how hard it is it's really far, Really freaking hard unless it the real effing and the cop's just enforcing yeah, so anyway, so I go through this intersection and as I sail through it (laughs) I think oh, you dummy you should have looked to see if there was a cop and put your and if there was, then you should have stopped and put your foot down and uh see, I don't agree with the law but it I very much agree that it is the law and I better do what it says. And the right way to fight the law is fight the law, not the cop, you know? Like, try to get it changed at the legislative level. This is ridiculous, you know? But anyway, so as I go through the intersection, I look at my new handy rearview mirror. and there's blue and red lights and a Tahoe or a Yukon or whatever state trooper Texas state trooper the ones that wear the cowboy hats I kind of want to get my picture taken with them because it's just pure Texas yeah. and I just sit there on, on the bike because I know one thing if you're in a car you don't get out of the car and approach the cop car they will scream at you Get on the ground <laughs> if they draw their weapons. So I just sat on my bike and looked off into the distance. I was like, dang it. And as he walks up, you know, I got this bright red blinky light on my back and a mirror. And I told him, I knew I broke the law. I'm really sorry. I won't do it again. It's my mistake. Usually I stop and put my foot down and I'd forgotten. And I was really, 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 really nice and told him how careful I am, you know, and that I ride out there because it's really safe. And I just momentarily kind of lost my bearings and didn't think as I went through the intersection. Then he asked for my driver's license and, and I didn't have it on me. But I have my driver's license number memorized. And he wrote it down, went back to the car, and about 12 minutes later <laughs> he came back and uh, wrote me a ticket for failure to yield to a stop sign or whatever. And then, uh, what else? Oh, a warning for not having my driver's license. Now, maybe he would have let me go if I had my driver's license. And see, the thing is, is I want... This is a good lesson in self-control here. I want to be angry at him. But as I do more zen and as I get more practice and as I get older... I don't know the full story of what he's been told to do you know and I don't know what he's really thinking if he's going to be teaching me a lesson or whatever I, know. I posted the ticket on Twitter and somebody got really mad he goes, i I would have thrown a fit. <laughs> So I usually don't get great results that way. I was like, yeah. I don't throw fits with cops. I tried to do as much as I could. I tried to point out I was being really safe. And that I know and work with cops, and I know better. Because they've told me. And I'm sorry. And I'll never do it again. And that didn't work. So, what you're left with is... What's the best thing to do in the situation? Best thing to do in the situation <laughs> with several things. Now on, at that intersection, know that they're giving out tickets and put my foot down. If I see anything where people are asking other people to join up to change the law, join up that because it's directly affected me now. And then, what was another thing? Oh, I posted, the first thing I did was I posted on Twitter um, the exact location where I got the ticket. And that's basically all I said, was I got a ticket for running a stop sign, and I posted a picture of the ticket at Highway 159, and the six feeder road. It's the access road, they call it a feeder. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, it's still good. Sorry. I hit a button. Anyway. You having fun, Kona? Is this good? And it was funny the responses. A lot of people were like, "Didn't you have anything else better to do?" And that was one thing that I thought for sure. But I don't know. I don't know the story, you know. It's a Zen lesson: is you don't know the story of why that person. He doesn't know my story, you know. So it'd make limits. Oh, <laughs> and then somebody said, "Sorry, I can't support you on this one, Brett." you deserved it or something like that and I thought I didn't ask, I wrote back I didn't ask for anybody's support I just posted a ticket I posted it without opinion just to see what other people's opinions were you know it's fun just posted a fact I got a ticket at the center side, right and then Kona this is so much fun um I need to drink some more water.
0: <laughs> so I thought
1: one of the other reasons I posted it was because other cyclists, because I'm friends with a bunch of cyclists, can see that I got a ticket at this intersection, and now they can change their behavior and know that cops are given tickets at that intersection, right? This is no longer an intersection, at least for the short term that you can just sail through and not worry about it. And I thought that's a really constructive thing to do because your friend cyclists will get fewer tickets and the cops will have to give out fewer tickets because more people will stop and slow down and then everybody's happy. And that's the end of that. And I know it wasn't just a one time occurrence. Because I went out about another 15, 20 minutes, turned around and came back at that same intersection, going the other way. Now that cop had a cyclist pulled over, and that cyclist had gotten off his bike or something. I couldn't really tell if he was still on his bike or not, but had pulled up next to the uh, pulled up next to the cop car. And as I went by, I thought, don't do that, dude. Stay away from the cop vehicle, (laughs) unless you punch your face in the hood. It's one thing they always teach you, any kind of driver safety stuff. Cop pulls you over, puts your hands on the steering wheel, and stay in the vehicle. Do not start getting out. Anyway. And I was like, man, this cop has set up shop. He's just writing cyclist tickets at this stop sign out in the middle of nowhere. He's decided that's his mission for the morning. So I had two funny emotions. One, I was kind of sad it wasn't a speeding ticket, because that's the cool kind of ticket to get on your bicycle. That means you're an awesome cyclist stop sign ticket's lame but if you manage to exceed the speed limit on your bike (laughs) usually depending that's something you put on your wall that's pretty funny I'd take that anyway another one was uh, (laughs) I'm parked on the side of the highway and there's all these cars going by but the cop pulled me over he pulled over a bicycle in a way, it did kind of look cool. Because people don't know why I got pulled over. <laughs> driving by going, what the heck did he do? What's that cop doing? And, because uh, it really was out in the middle of nowhere. And then, uh, oh, I'm going to deal with this dog coming up. Hold on. I'm going to run by a couple other people with it. Conan's going to get all berserk. How y'all doing? <laughs> come on, come on, leave my alone. Leave my alone. That's a mutant. Anyway, and another one, and I've just heard this secondhand, so I don't know at all. Sometimes cops will make fun of other cops for pulling over cyclists because you're pulling over people on bikes. hoping that other cops gave that cop a little bit of hassle. Like, why are you messing with those cyclists way out there? But I don't know. I really have no idea. And that's just a hope. So it was really interesting. Um, I'm sitting on my bike for uh, 10, 12, 15 minutes waiting for him to write me the ticket. And I had my phone on me and music and stuff. I turned it all off and just sat there sitting on the top tube of my bike and just looked up at the sky and watched the clouds go by and watched, looked at the woods around me and got really into the moment because this is a really rare moment, you know and just sat there and felt all the feelings go through me like this is what it feels like to get a ticket on your bike this is embarrassing this is a waste of money this is a waste of everybody's time it's a waste of the cops time it's a waste of my time and trying to decide who I should be more mad at myself or him you know What should I do? How should I act? It was really intense. But at the same time, it was really cool. Because I've learned enough to not believe in my feelings and actually let them flow through me and let them come and go. I think every emotion lasts like 45 seconds or I don't know. something like that. So I was like, Brett, you idiot. I'm like, "Huh." Oh. I feel like an idiot. Am I an idiot? No. You know. I've done it a thousand times and never got a ticket before. So I wasn't an idiot. And it wasn't unsafe. So I wasn't an idiot. And I thought, oh, that cop's mean. And I thought, I don't know anything about that cop. Does the cop mean? Actually, no. He was actually really nice to me. He's real pleasant. Oh, this law is stupid. I'm like, well... The law needs to be worked on. People put it in place with good intentions. They just don't know that much because this country is not a cycling country. You know? So... In the end, what am I left with? Brett's getting a ticket. (laughs) So I just sat there and enjoyed my ticket. I actually enjoyed it a little bit, in a weird way. I wouldn't do it again. But what I was enjoying was the intensity of the moment. I let that be the only thing that was going on. And I resisted thinking into the future or into the past see my ticket and then when I got back on the bike and started pedaling I tried to get right back into pedaling the bike and not let the past or the future when I have to go pay that ticket bother in me too much and get right back into the actual pedaling the bike and because of that I had an incredible workout oh come on I can drink some more water because I can't run and drink at the same time hold the mic We've been gone 48 minutes. I think that's pretty good for an easy run. So, because I was able to let go of that stupidity and get back on the bike, I ended up having probably my best just over an hour workout I've ever logged in my entire life, as far as output numbers go. And that's because I was really paying attention to my pedal stroke. And what I noticed is, because my bike's reading off watts at the same time, you know, that's how much power you're putting out, is on the upstroke, if you pull your leg up enough so that the ball of your foot slightly comes clean off the footbed of your shoe, just a millimeter right and then press back down again your actual wattage goes up like your power goes up by a ton and while it's while it's in the air it actually um i think it rests a little bit all of a sudden I'm putting out like 20, 30 more watts by focusing on trying to create the tiniest the tiniest gap between the ball of my foot and the footbed on the upstroke at just the right time. And I was also using a secret fuel that I'm going to hold on to for a while. Because it is wild. I don't want to share it with people yet. And have a whole bunch of people trying it, and then it not work. How you going? Okay. Somebody on Twitter said, "I thought that I thought you lived in the land of the free." Where? You get tickets for stupid things. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? Shoot the cop? That would not end well. <laughs> Can you imagine how on edge the cops are with Ferguson going on? And we're one state over. I think that's up in. Is that up in Oklahoma? Or it's in the Midwest somewhere. So. Anyway, I've talked about this on a podcast before with uh, technique. Um, if you're going to throw a ball or throw a spear or throw anything, what do you do? Right? Or if you want a lot of force to do something, what do you do? You actually reach back the wrong way and stretch out your tendons like a rubber band. And then that stretch starts the momentum. Right? There's a reason why you crank back before you throw a punch. Right? Here he is. Here's the beast. I'm going to run a couple more laps. Are you okay? On. And, um, so, um, you don't want the, the, the uh, one of the things about stretching we talked about on the last podcast, if you stretch before a race, you actually stretch out the rubber bands and they're not as tight anymore and you'll go slower. They found out, so you shouldn't stretch before a 5k or sprint swim or front, uh, triathlon. And then if it's longer, you just go easier to start off anyway and settle into it. Um, so you use the elasticity of your body as leverage every single movement that you do. And once you get it down, it's actually really pretty. And so on Slow Twitch, there was a thread about, um, what was it about, about Sun Yang swimming, and I pointed out that if you watch really closely, hold on, I'm having a second. my secret fuel, if you watch Sun Yang swimming really closely, and this has also been documented in lots of swimming technique stuff, He anchors his left arm and kicks with his left leg. So the left side of his body is providing an anchor and thrust. And then with elasticity, he whips his right arm over the top. And then he alternates on the other side. So he's using the stretch of his body and like an overhand baseball throw or football throw, more like a baseball, for his recovery arm recovery arm coming over the top. You can see it. So then, because he only uses a two-beat kick instead of a six-beat kick, he's like, well, what is he doing? Well, if you study the kick, the kick is heavy on the alternating side of his arm throw. So, wham, and he throws his other arm over, and then... Um, and you watch Janet Evans swim; she does the same thing. She throws her arms over like baseball, and that's why people that swim a lot need shoulder surgery in the end. I'm gonna get some water out of the hose. Maybe I'm done running for tonight. I think I've done I've done over two hours for today. It's getting late. Hold on a second sorry I put my phone in the pocket while I was getting hose water this tastes nasty hmm. bit over the head to cool off. A little dribble just like doing a race. Let's run five more minutes around the block and I'll tell you what else I was thinking So, because this is cool. So you're using the elasticity of your leg up and over the crank and what that does is if you pull if you clear the pedal enough get a little bit of elasticity in your leg it wants to rebound back and push the pedal down right? and if you angle it just right and sit just the right spot on your seat you can tell it's using your hamstrings and your glutes instead of your quads your quads will wear out faster so you go on a rubber band up and lock out almost, your hamstrings and your glutes coming down, and boom, 20, 30 more watts, it's pretty cool, most of us are overusing our quads, So, lastly, you can do the same thing on the run. When you run, try to run with your glutes and your hamstrings more. Oh, one of the reasons that swimmers make bad runners is swimmers have really good, good swimmers, good swimmers, have great ankle flexibility. Ankles are too flexible and they don't, because you got to point your toes the wrong way all the time. And you don't get the rubber band effect in your ankles like you would if you were a pure runner. How about that? So that points to when you run. You wanna be Come on there Alright, I'm back. Sorry. Somebody weird just walking down the street. Okay. So you want a rubber band off your legs, off your ankles. Because. The rubber banding action of your tendons takes zero calories (laughs) and the more you do it the more efficient the faster you can run on fewer calories and that's why they were saying if you stretch before a race you're ruining that rubber band effect for like half an hour or longer So, the lesson learned from the biking is you gotta rubber band hard enough off the ground, or enough off the ground. Oh, we got another bird up here. Hold on. Alright, back. You wanna bring your leg up, rebound off the ground enough so that your leg comes up in front of you enough there to create a gap of the footbed of your running shoe and the ball of your foot for you to actually notice it and if you watch really talented runners run you see how high up their knee comes up in front of them that's that stretch right that stretch where you're pulling the leg up just like if you're throwing a baseball you're cranking your arm back and then that tendon stretch helps accelerate the leg back down so when it makes contact with the ground it's got extra push behind it it's pretty cool all right, that's enough for tonight. I think I forgot to log that last part. <laughs> oh, well. It's all right. I don't really care. I'll just add it on in the log. Another five minutes and a half a mile. All right, that's it. How it be. All right, I'm back. I <clears throat> got the car loaded up with the bike in the back. That took some extra time this morning because I don't want the bike hanging off the back while I'm swimming in a not fantastic part of town. And... Um, so I had to cram that thing in there, and then the BMC has the fork on it that's so aero that it doesn't want to turn all the way to the side, or else it scrapes it up. Can you believe that the bikes? <laughs> bikes have gotten so advanced you can't ride them. <laughs> anyway, the uh, so that was tough getting it in the in the car, and then driving on the freeway, I didn't close the tailgate tight enough. So every time I accelerate, the uh, the cargo light in the back starts lighting up. And uh, had a nice swim. Um, 2.4 miles per hour, which is a one-hour man swim. Uh, going a little bit too fast, but I was enjoying. I was enjoying it. I bonked a little bit, and I just um, still had about 15 minutes left, 20 minutes left, and uh, I just kind of backed off the pace a little bit and let body fat kind of fill the void. And pick up the blood sugar again and then and then kept on swimming. And once you bonk, if you slow down your pace, you can actually recover. And it just matters how fast and how sensitive you are to knowing that you're bonking and that you're going too hard and you're running out of glycogen. And just slow down a little bit and you can actually pick back up. Um, I remember one time Vinnie Twitter said, you can't recover from a bonk, but you can. You totally can. I've done it a million times, and uh, it might be a relaxing day at work, and I'll keep reasons for that uh, to myself. But I'm kind of looking forward to experiment, see if it's nice and easy. And I got to take my bike to the bike shop because there's a creak in the crank, and if you don't take care of that, um, you could end up warping your uh, bolts and stuff like that, and messing up your crank. So I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna swing it by the shop, see if they can tighten it up. And uh, and also lower my arrow bars just a hair, and that's it. All right, Ow. bang, boop. <laughs> that's ultra girl said. All right, I dropped my bike off at the bike shop, and they could not fix it right off the bat. It's got a creak in the crank, <laughs> and. Um, I also made a comment on a slow twitch forum. Oh, they have... The bike shop has a dog named Arrow. And I thought they meant A-R-R-O-W. And they go, no, like, Arrow as in aerodynamic. <laughs> and it's a five-month-old kind of golden retriever, mostly. It's really cute. And it, it... At one point, it just spazzed out and it just started running around the bike shop like a fool. Like dogs can do sometimes, so... It was pretty funny. And then it started chewing on a piece of plastic that they didn't know where it got it from. And they were yelling at it to cut it out. And um, anyway, forum on slow twitch. Hey, my the inside of my thighs uh, hurt when I ride the bike on the trainer. And uh, I wrote back. Um, your knees are out too far and you're using your inside of your thighs to pull your knees in uh, as you pedal. And then somebody else said... Well, if it's on your trainer and then not on your, not when you're riding outdoors, then there's something in the rocking of your body back and forth that's um, not helpful, that's causing some of this, uh, because the bike's locked down, you know. So you're fighting it with the inside of your legs, and that's wearing you out. But anyway, the guy replied back to me, uh, well, it can't be um, my knees splaying out too much, because I've had a bike fit and uh and that's a big problem right there when people think that um i said don't let a bike fit become a religion just because you are fit to your bike one time doesn't mean that it works um the whole point uh well things change like your flexibility changes where you sit on your saddle changes cleats slip saddle rails move um things move by accident sometimes, and as your body adapts to a position, you uh, you move, and uh, it only takes like a millimeter or two for something to start uh, feeling bad, because you're doing just tons of repetition, you know, on a bike, uh, 90 RPM, it's 90 rotations per minute times two hours, <laughs> it's a lot of rotations, uh, for something to start bothering you, and Hold on, I just got distracted by a car, a G-Wagon. The point, the point, the point is, oh, the point of the bike fit is what you should do is go, oh, this is what it means to feel good on a bike. This is how feel good feels, right? Then that's your goal, is to make your your bike riding feel that good all the time. And if it doesn't feel that good anymore, then you need to change the position. Don't get stuck with a position because you believe that that's a the right way. Because things change, and um, the problem is, is your ego gets involved because you because you've spent money on a bike fit, right? And if you change your bike fit. Well, then you basically threw your money away and you were wrong. And you don't want to be wrong. So you keep riding <laughs> with it hurting. And uh, God, there's actually a psychological term for this. And it's the further things go bad, um, the more you stick with it and the more money you dump into a bad investment because you want to be right. You want to be right so bad. And you can't be right because it's not right. Anyway, um, and I thought it was funny. I didn't go to this, go into this on the thread about you know, don't treat the bike fit like a religion, like it has to be. Actually, don't treat. Really, it's don't be fun to, don't be a fundamentalist with your uh, bike fit. And what that means is the point of a religion is to make you feel better, <laughs> right? I mean, that's the real point, is to make you feel better. And if the religion isn't making you feel better anymore, well, then it's time to change religions or find a different viewpoint into that same religion and uh, change things up so that you feel better. If it makes you feel miserable, well, then it's not working for you. And what you should be searching for in a religion or a belief system is something that makes you feel great and makes you productive and it makes you happy and uh, when, when you you should always be searching for that there's a dude riding a moped with no helmet <sighs> uh, and that goes back to you know um, it goes back to everything the point of everything is to make you feel great and if something's making you feel miserable well then you're not doing it right so work on your bike fit, and uh, uh, for example, I'm lowering my handlebars, but just by half of a centimeter, I think. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't end up feeling great, then uh, they're going back because the point isn't to lower my handlebars. The point is to feel great. <laughs> but you also need to know, um, with a, like with a lot of things, that. Um, your handlebars can be a lot lower than you think. Um you sometimes it's just a flexibility issue and you just need to um uh spend a little bit of time in that position and over time it, it gets to uh, not feel so bad and ends up being fine. Um so you try a new position and commit to it for a little while and then and then let it change. Um and I said on the thread that uh oh it's starting to rain outside. I said on the thread that um, you don't want to change because you paid money for your bike fit. And if uh, your ego will say, if, if you change it, then you threw your money away. And because it's like 100 bucks, 200, 300 bucks for a bike, a good bike fit, then, uh, then you're a fool because you threw your money away. And you can't be a fool. And uh, once you admit to yourself that you can be a fool and uh that you can be foolish on occasion, then you can constantly improve. And uh that's a that's a lot of zen and letting go. And um life I've gotten to that point, uh, where I can uh drop something because it's not working for me anymore and then try something new and admit that I didn't know what I was doing and uh that things have changed. And um, and it's great on the other side of that fence uh, being like, oh, you know, it's not working. So I'm going to change and find out what works. And then this may change after a while. And and then that may change. And that may change. Um, but you have to be willing to uh, not be right. And that can be hard to do. All you got to do is do it a few times and not being right. Um, uh, being okay with not being right becomes extremely powerful. Because now... Your your abilities are universal Instead of Just tied down to one belief system It's pretty cool Alright, that's it, I need to go eat Out oh, bang Alright, in the Zentrop Mobile Studios Head into W to the R K R K. Ah <laughs> oh. And uh, Sorry The uh, run this morning was really good So last night, didn't run, didn't do anything I played basketball with Emily and Kai, and that's uh, that's quite interesting because if I used to play basketball on the school team, uh, middle school, 7th uh, and 8th grade, so I'm not terrible. Um, the thing is, is, I haven't really played much since then, so I'm pretty terrible. And it's funny having skills that suck, uh, that, that you used to have, and then now you kind of Uh, suck at it, and then, but I'm towering over Emily, who used to play basketball as well, Uh, probably in middle school, maybe maybe high school some, and then, um, and Emily's super, super competitive with me, and uh, she doesn't have the skills anymore that she used to have, so watching us try to dribble and try to shoot, Uh, because you know if you don't play basketball a lot, you get really inaccurate and really bad ball handling skills pretty quick, (laughs) and uh, I told Emily, listen, give me a year of training, and I'll beat you, you know, Um, but the, uh, oh, and then Kai never played basketball on any team. He's actually a pretty good shot, but he's terrible as well, because he's nine, and the three of us playing two-on-one, they like to gang up on me. Because uh, I tower over them, you know. I they go for a shot and I just swat it out of the air. It's pretty funny. <laughs> but then I get the ball and then I try to shoot it, and I can't even make a layup because my my uh, skills are all off. Um, so I had this idea that man, we gotta to go to the park after dinner to uh, walk off, work off, uh, whatever we're doing. Uh, you know, more often. It's pretty cool. So wait, hold on. I gotta pump some gas. I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back. Man, do we do we really need the speakers in the gas pump blaring out stuff on really poor quality audio, <laughs> telling us to buy crap we don't need to impress people we don't really even like? <laughs> Just like, jeez. Oh my God. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie is now at 15 million dollars. Okay, so what? Anyway, the um. The thing is, I didn't run last night, even though I could have run last night, uh, because there's a school of thought that I like, um, that if you subscribe to, you don't have to do it all the time. The whole thing is just to do stuff as needed and know that it works when, it, when you need it to work, if you're in that situation. And uh, running on tired legs for working out is uh, kind of dumb, because you're not really improving yourself. Um, so what you do is you don't... You don't work out if uh, if you know, and it takes time to know, and it takes experience to know, or else you know. Um, but like, I can go out for a run now. I know, like, and I know I'm gonna have a crappy run. Like, it's I'm, my my average speed is gonna be pretty slow, right? Well, there's a school of thought that's like, why would you do that? It doesn't improve you. All it does is encourage bad form and. And you'd you'd be better off with rest and waiting until you're more recovered and then having a good workout. But then the uh, anal retentive people and us say, oh, but I got to get in a workout. I got to do it. You know? Oh, gas is done. Hold on. I'll be back. Running. Hmm. Whenever you pump gas in your car and you're on your cell phone or you get in and out of your car, you build up a static charge, and then when you reach for the pump and the gas fumes, you could cause an explosion. First thing, it actually won't explode, it'll just catch fire. Second thing, don't pull the gas nozzle out of the hole because now you're going to spray gas everywhere and then that's going to catch on fire. So it'll actually, it's supposed to go out on its own is what it's supposed to It won't look like it will, but it will. It'll go out on its own and um, get away from it, run. <laughs> but don't pull the gas nozzle out of the car or else you're going to spray gas everywhere. So the trick is, is if you're using your phone or you're getting in and out of the car, make it a habit to touch, after you get out and standing on two feet um, out of the car, touch the car. Um, Like on the door panel, away from the gas hole. (laughs) Don't be a gas hole. And um, that'll discharge your static charge somewhere else on the car. Uh, Yeah, like on the door, um, on a fender, something like that. Uh, On the roof. Just touch anywhere. Just make it a habit. Just touch. And it uh, releases the static charge that you've built up um, while you were getting in and out of the car. It's kind of like the static charge like where you touch a doorknob and it, uh, uh, you know, shocks you, that kind of thing. Anyway, so there's a school of thought. Don't exercise um, if you know that your workout's going to suck because uh, every workout should be better than the last, technically. Um, Is that actually really possible? Maybe not, but um, it's kind of possible. So last night I didn't run because I was like, you know, if I ran tonight, it probably wouldn't be all that great anyway. Because uh, my legs are just a little bit sore because I biked. Ah, I just got out of a meeting and somebody said, <laughs> somebody said I should be a uh, a night DJ, I work part-time job. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they go, your voice it's so like mellow and low, and I go, oh yeah, I've heard that before. And so I started doing my routine. I, I remember it was from uh, either Mad TV or. Um, uh, Saturday night live or something like that. And it's <laughs> stuff laughing and do it. Welcome to Smooth Beats with your DJ Night Rain. Like that. Everybody started laughing. Oh, yeah. Anyway, hey, I'm driving by my old 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 house that was so old that they demolished it with a they before they demolished it the SWAT team went through it. <laughs> and used it as a training house. <laughs> That's how bad it was. We had rats in the garage so bad that I used to drink beer and then go out in the garage and I had a laser pointer attached to a BB pistol for a sight on it and I would try to shoot rats uh, with a, you know, I'd put the dot, the red dot on them in the garage. i put dog food out in the middle of the garage and as a rat would come in and nibble on I'd go out there and pop them with a BB gun. And one time I shot one, and then I think after I shot him, he was dead already anyways from, like, poison or something else. And he was already dead, and me shooting him actually didn't do anything. But it, it made me think that I was a pretty good shot, So, which is not true. I learned it, shooting a snake with a, a BB gun one time that it takes a, uh, a lot more than a BB to um, from a pistol, which has, like, no power whatsoever. It just pisses him off. doesn't even do anything, especially from more than a few feet anyway that's kind of a tangent all right let's get back to the smooth hits here on night rain out hey i'm listening to the uh, joe rogan podcast hey i'm back by the way <laughs> which is sometimes a bunch of stoner talk and then other times it's actually uh, really insightful and he's interviewing sam harris who's some kind of uh author that wrote a book about not needing religion or something like that but that's not the point But uh, they're talking about mindfulness, and they just described it, or Sam Harris just described it in a way that I found really, really cool. So basically, I'll get to the point that he is talking about in a second. My, My description is you sit around and learn to ask yourself... I don't say you sit around. You learn to ask yourself... Um, When you're feeling things, you pay attention and then ask yourself if what you're feeling is actually real or if it's um, something that your body is making up and your mind is making up, right? Because the whole saying is you don't... (laughs) The the best thing in life is to learn that you don't have to believe in your own thoughts. So um, an extreme example would be a horror movie makes you scared, but is it real? No, <laughs> right? But you're scared, so you ask yourself, is there really, you know, a knife wielding maniac in the closet? No, there's not. Um, so there's no real reason to be scared, right? So, um, but you can see how the mind can be tricked into making you scared and believing things, sorta. Um, and so uh, mindfulness in Zen, for example, is um, paying attention to your feelings and then asking you asking yourself if they're actually valid or if they're um, or if they're made up. And then you um, or, or decide if the feeling is actually worthy of your time to be uh, to... to pay attention to and use and if not then just wait a little bit and it'll probably pass because the more you pay attention to this stuff the more you realize uh you know oh and another one is uh, oh things pass but another one is paying attention to your feelings and then realizing how wrong you were about um uh that feeling um there's there's a lot i get a lot of emails and um and work and stuff you know and sometimes I get an email and just reading from the, from the person and from the subject I think it's going to be bad and it's going to be a whole lot of work and whatever and then so what I do is I go I, before I open it I remember that feeling and then after opening it I compare it to what actually happened and it's never as bad as I thought it was going to be and uh, so your fears make things seem worse and then you don't act when uh, you have no idea what's on the other side of that email or whatever but anyway, Sam, Sam Harris was saying uh, a really good point is that knowing all this, you can learn to not waste your energy and get stressed out fighting battles over things that actually don't exist, right? And then you have the energy now to to do the things and fight the battles that actually are real that you need to spend your time on because you're not, um, wasting a whole lot of calories and, and anxiety and cortisol, um, stressing out over stuff that actually isn't, uh, you're not, that actually hasn't materialized yet, never did materialize, uh, or materialized in the past and now it's gone. And, or isn't actually materializing in the present, so what's the point? It's, and in the future, you don't even know it's going to happen, and half the time it doesn't, so don't worry about it. It's really cool. So, uh, Joe Rogan Podcast, Sam Harris, out. What's up, home salads? Oh, there's the high school band. <laughs> Leaving the pool. Oh, man, great swim, great swim, great bike ride last night, too. Uh, two, well, four thousand meters in an hour flat. <clears throat> Doing a math swim, just getting up to speed and just holding it, you know, without straining too much. Just working on form, and actually really working on um, making sure the top of the foot engages on the kick. Two beat kick, nice and relaxed kick, but firm. Kind of like if you're kicking with uh, flippers on. You know how you feel it as you push as you kick away from your body, like that, like that, Uh, and uh, ended up being one of the fastest swims I think I've ever done, and I wasn't really trying, I mean, I was trying, I'm always trying to swim as fast as I can, but I wasn't like, like killing myself or anything, I was just kind of swimming along, so keep your head down low, Uh, And uh, try to torpedo under the water a little bit. And that two-beat kick, but firm, so it engages the top of the foot. You can feel it if your foot, if you don't angle your foot right and you miss it, your foot slips through the water instead of resists the water. You want it to resist the water. Kick, but not too hard. Just enough to help you throw your arm up over the other side. And where's my water bottle? And uh, Ezekiel cereal with whole milk for breakfast. A cup of coffee. A couple of doses of honey and a flask. You know, they get these running flasks, these fuel flasks that you get when you buy some of the fuel stuff. Probably holds like five, eight ounces or something like that. Fill it up with, uh, fill it about halfway with honey. And then add a little bit of water and shake it up. And you got uh, runny honey. And it um, gives you plenty of energy and you don't need much of it. And then last night, uh, I went for a bike ride on my newly fixed bike. And yeah, it doesn't creak anymore, which is a beautiful thing. And they said the bottom bracket was loose. <laughs> That's what she said. And then um, I started off uh, with a little bit too much simple sugar in my system and not enough real food. And so I felt I had like energy. Like, I was kind of all over the place, but I also felt hollow. Like, I couldn't sustain anything for a long time. Uh, so, a real short burst, and then I kind of would fall apart. And uh, so, I just kept with it, and kept riding, and I stopped at the stupid stop sign and carried my driver's license with me. <laughs> so, tickets are meant to change behavior. And if you find somebody enough, it'll do that. And then... um On the way back, my energy level finally kicked in properly and I did a nice, sustained, really good, long ride, uh, long interval. Uh, But, oh, that reminds me, I got on my bike and started pedaling along and uh, got nothing from the power meter. It was like, blah. And, you know, I think another time that I picked up my bike from the bike shop, it did the exact same thing. And um, that's interesting. But anyway, the batteries in it are dead, probably. Um, I talked to, uh, the people that own PowerTap, or not the people that own it, people that work for it, and they said they might have a hub coming, like a hub adapter coming that has Bluetooth and, oh, that reminds me, <laughs> I had so much fun on on the Twitter Nets last night with, uh, Michael Dirksen, and, uh... Uh, it might have Bluetooth and ANT in the um, in the same hub. What's that rattling sound? I got stuff just rattling around in my car. And uh, all that reminds me of that slow twitch. Somebody said, "Hey, I'm looking to buy a luxury car. Which one? American luxury or something?" And they said, "Which one's better, uh, Cadillac or something else?" And somebody else said, "Why in the world would you buy a luxury car?" It's a waste of money. Just buy a regular car. Oh, that felt good. Um, and I said, yeah, man, like cars nowadays are like spaceships compared to what they were just a few years back. So, uh, this Xterra was super cheap for a new car. Um, and it's just amazing. So, um, anyway, what was my point? Um, oh, so I start off on my ride and, oh, and my uh, heart rate strap, um, I had one from a Garmin, like, laying around, and it didn't hold up very well, so it's all, like, it doesn't read heart rate half the time. Okay, I'm not sure if that recorded or not. Emily called, and if somebody calls, my voice recorder thing, like, it's all screwed up. (laughs) And sometimes it loses the, uh, what I just recorded. Uh oh a little traffic jam up here, and people driving a little crazy. Um, So... I've had many races where your gear fails on you, so you have to be able to uh, race and ride and work out and whatever without numbers. So, the times that it does happen in training, you take it, take it right in the face and be like, "Uh, well, I'll, you know, like don't stop your workout is what I'm saying. And like, oh, I can't do my workout or my workout's ruined. Because uh, I don't have watts or I don't have heart rate. No, this is an awesome opportunity to uh, practice. What you do is you practice not having uh, the numbers and behaving yourself and trying to uh, train zen, all zen style, as people say. You know, just kind of by by feel, and then. Um, sorry, people are trying to merge into one lane and. Oh, there's a police officer. State trooper. There's my friend. <laughs> and uh, you uh, train by feel. And then uh, then what you do is when your workout's over, between that workout and your next one, start working on fixing whatever it is. But don't worry about it too much. Don't stress about it. Freak out because it's not really going to help. Uh, you shouldn't cut a workout short because during that workout, it's invaluable to know how to uh, fix yourself So that you don't have uh, problems. So you don't overdo it or underdo it. And get used to uh, the frustration of not having your data. And I'm going to... Whoa. Man, you are a terrible driver. Where would you learn to drive, dude? Wow. (laughs) This guy. He's either over-caffeinated or like something... Anyway, um, uh, Ironman Wisconsin, my watt meter didn't work for, oh, the first half of the bike ride, and then it finally started working. I lost a contact in that same race, too. and I'm really blind, so I had to do the whole race basically with one eye and no depth perception starting on the bike at the beginning of the bike ride and on an unfamiliar course, you know, with occasional pothole and stuff like that. Uh, no depth perception. Try that. I think you could get used to that, but when it happens suddenly, it's, uh, all day and the headache that ensued of having vision and great vision in one eye and horrible vision in the other, that's pretty fun. And, uh, yeah, lots of races where, um, I did the race in Morgan Hill where my, uh, power meter, uh, head unit fell off my bike, uh, um, partway through the bike ride, just fell off of it, you know? I got no numbers now. (laughs) Uh, but usually what I do is I have some sort of head unit on my bike and then I have the Sunto watch so I can still, um, I can, I can still record and look at stuff later. So I'm recording in two places. That's just kind of by accident. It's nice to have a dedicated bike computer and, uh, between your, between your hands and then on your wrist, you have like the Ambit two or three. So, um, speaking of that, the, uh, uh, Michael Dirksen got... MP dirksen on Twitter got uh got his Ambit 3 yesterday and then he start he started posting pictures uh and included me on the on the notices that uh it was getting t- he said it was getting text alerts I said oh post a picture so he did <laughs> and it's a smartwatch right and a fitness tracker It's pretty cool all in one and he goes uh, He posted a picture, and it said, you know, text alert. It was, like, from one of his friends, a text message, right? And I said, oh, that's cool. And then a while later, he posted a picture. He goes, it posts Twitter updates, too. And he posted a picture of his watch saying um, a tweet from me. Like, this is cool, like that. And so then I took that picture and retweeted it, saying, that's cool. (laughs) And the, uh, the singularity is... Uh, in in, uh, in geek culture nerd culture it 's when we it 's when we achieve uh, oneness with all knowledge it 's kind of like the internet is singularity singularity uh, and with computers and artificial intelligence, everything is on all the time everything is known everything is single right full duality everything is one thing it 's called the singularity and, uh, and sometimes it 's called the technical singularity you can look it up it 's pretty cool. And uh, I said, uh, I posted on Twitter that the singularity, the Zen Tri Singularity has been achieved. It's kind of like a picture of yourself in a, with a photo of yourself in a photo of yourself. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So I'm waiting at an intersection stop sign for everybody. To, there's this old lady that's a walker. I love her, man. She's kicking ass. She's got her waist pack gray hair flying in the wind, and, uh, so anyway, that's it, man, really, really good morning, uh, we got meet the teacher night with, uh, Kai, so if I do anything, I'll, I'll have to work it around that, but I've done, uh, for two days now, I've done some pretty intense stuff, so I might, I might take a break tonight, and, uh, oh, I'm recording an interview with, uh, Sid Garza Hillman, um, approaching the natural guy, so gonna do that at lunch, I think, it's gonna be pretty cool, and then I need to get Tawny back on the show, and speaking of that, I also, um, wrote up my Kona predictions for, um, for Thorsten Rad, uh, for his Kona, uh, predictions paper that he puts out, and, uh, and it's funny, uh, Jody Swallow is already posting stuff and she doesn't, read, she doesn't read that stuff. It's pretty cool. And now, you know, the insides of the sport. All right, that's it out bang. All right. I'm getting ready for work and leaving the house. I thought I'd record away from the car, although we're going to be putting the microphone down and such as I get stuff done here. And There's so much going on. I want to talk about it. Uh, Recorded an interview with Sid Garza-Hillman yesterday, and it is awesome, man. We immediately figure out that we grew up about a mile away from each other for quite a few years. Oh, man. That's that's going to be in the next podcast. Um, I'm putting on my work shoes. I wear my work socks from the day before, so like Argyle or whatever I happen to be wearing from office wear <laughs> as my um, athletic socks for running or cycling um later that day like if i bike or run that evening i wear them and it's a way to save money on washing socks i figure nobody's going to see me or nobody cares so i'll wear you know there's cotton old whatever socks it's only an hour workout so who really cares so this morning i woke up and put on uh my work socks from yesterday because they're already kind of dirty because I wore them all day yesterday. And then I uh, got on the bike and had a killer trainer ride riding the new beta. Y'all don't have it yet because um, Morgan's working on it. Got some changes still. Uh, but trainer view. And, uh, oh my God, it's awesome. So I'm riding around Lake Tahoe. So it's a website trainer. uh, It's realtimeathlete.com. And then uh, um, there's a beta version that's going to come out that is just mind-blowingly good. And then um, got off the bike and I figured out that the perfect recovery stuff for me is chocolate ice cream coming right off the bike um, or right off the run to cool down. It's so hot here in Texas, and it really does cool you down really quick. And uh, let's see, what is another thing? I bought Sriracha sauce at the grocery store last night. I'm going to take it to work and leave it in the break room with a note that says, free for everybody. I'm like a a Sriracha evangelist. (laughs) And we got some Amrita bars over here. I'm going to take them to work. In guess I want a snack. And a couple other things. Oh, and I got off the bike. And while I'm eating, just I eat right out of the container. Just a few spoons. I think maybe five or six spoons maybe. Of, uh, of chocolate ice cream not much and you could do coconut ice cream if you want to be vegan or whatever and but um, it's really impressive how much it cools you and while I'm cooling down in the kitchen I get out my ingredients for my green smoothie Um, because there's no point in taking a shower while you're still sweating you know it's kind of dumb so while I'm cooling down What am I looking for? A bag. I get out my green smoothie, make my green smoothie. I put it in a thermos with some ice. And. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Hold on. I'm eating wine. Triathletes eat. Oh. <laughs> I'm doing TrainerView. What it does, it's Google Street View, and it stitches it together. It's awesome. So you can make a, anywhere where there's Google Street View, you can make a course and then ride it. And it's like a hill profile and speed and distance, and you can change all this stuff. And then any place that's been ridden in Map My Ride, they have a database. And his uh, Trainer View will go and search the database for anything that you type in. And you pick it and it just loads it in. And Morgan's a freaking genius. And then um, if you get the pro version, it saves your profile and like the stuff you've done and whatever. Well, i got to retie my shoe. So I'm riding along and there's like stop signs and state troopers, you know, because it's Google Street View. I'm just like blowing through all that stuff, just laughing. <laughs> oh, and uh, another thing that is super cool is I tried... I've been trying coconut oil in different ways, mixed in with my workouts, and it's it really freaking works and it's you don't need much. Like one spoonful is like a hundred calories or something like that, because it's oil, you know? It's straight liquid energy. And I think if you take too much, you'll actually get sick to your stomach. What is this? Okay. Getting the T V dinner just in case I get hungry at work. I, I have a little refrigerator next to me at my at my desk. I bought it and brought it to work one day. <laughs> that way I can keep healthy food nearer nearer to me without having to go around searching for it. Um. And let's see we need headphones. I got my work badge. Oh, I'm gonna be late again. I'm not late every time. I'm just late every time like y'all hear me record. Hold on. Okay, so can y'all hear me? Can you hear me? Wait, turn the wrong way. No, that's the right way. All right. So I got my green smoothie, got a little bit of beef jerky, just in case. Feel like I want some. Got Amrita bars. Got a crappy TV dinner, and my free sriracha I'm gonna to give to everybody. And headphones. And this is gonna be the. It, this is gonna be it for this podcast. I need to go brush my hair a little bit while I still have some. Uh, Montreblanc is this weekend. I need to get uh, Tawny back on the show. All um, oh, the coconut stuff. So uh, I'm trying to figure out a way. Coconut oil turns solid ish at just 76 degrees. And it has to be over 76 degrees for it to be liquid. And then when it's liquid, it floats. So, like, how to mix it in with fuel so that it's an even mixture is really beyond me so far. But, like, this morning I had a cup of coffee. And I stirred in just a little bit of coconut oil with it. And um, then I had some cereal. I had some Raisin Bran cereal. And uh, not much, just some. Hold on, I'm putting my belt on. And uh, then... Uh, for fuel on the bike, on my bike ride, I did just uh, like a spoonful of coconut oil, so maybe a hundred calories, and then some maltodextrin, honey, and I put in hot water at first, just a little bit to make it all mix really well, which it does, and then uh, then put in re- after it was all mixed, put in regular water, and then shook it up, and then you know, so it was like a nice bottle, probably like. Probably about 200 calories, 250 calories of uh, fuel. And then, no doggies, you're not coming inside. And then, uh, I think I have everything. And then after that, I got on the bike, and it's really weird. Hold on. I'm coming. i got to zip up everything over here. My, i got to get all my crap and turn off everything. This is the formula for forgetting something and then getting to work and going, crap, you know, like trying to do a lot of things while you're leaving the house. So I'm checking the house, make sure all the lights are off, everything's locked up. All right, let's walk out of the estate, the long walk down the, the driveway here past the uh, stables and the Bentleys and the Rolls Royces. And we're walking, and we're walking. And we're here. Oh, my car smells like the devil's anus. Like, like Satan's football team's locker room. Oh, that smells so bad. Kai loves his scooter so much that we got that tall-wheeled scooter on the last episode that I talked about that he um, he rides it around the house and like he's like brushing his teeth with an electric toothbrush and uh, trying to ride the scooter with one hand, which is actually pretty hard to do. And then he's like feeding the dogs their food and water while on his scooter, and that's an indicator of a toy or a device that's just the best, you know. So I highly recommend it. It's the, uh, and then, anyway, the, the the trippy thing about the coconut oil—that's why I want to wrap up this show with Sid Garza Hillman next episode and coconut oil. I have not figured out totally how to do coconut oil as fuel, but the times that I've used it. It is impressive because it's, um, you just have just a, your energy just feels like, like granite, you know? Like a freaking, like igneous rock. And you're like, this is incredible. Like, I feel like I've got so much energy, um, but it doesn't feel like cheap energy. It feels um, so stable, you know? Like, if it was a car, it'd have a wide wheelbase. Like wow, this is a wide. My body feels like it's got a wide wheelbase right now. Go through this turn without tipping over, and just stable, stable, stable. Uh, so, like I said, I'm trying to figure out how to mix it in with fuel because uh, I'm on the bike and the room temperature's probably 75 or something like that. So 74. So the coconut oil starts to turn kind of solid and little little tiny pea-sized clumps in the uh, in the fuel mixture, you know? And I'm like, is this coming through? Is this, I, I don't know. Is it going to fit when it's clumpy like that through a bottle? You know, or do you need to put it in a, um oh, it's a football game weekend. we got people driving around with flags sticking out the top of their car. Hold on, school zone. Alright, I'm back, I think. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Um, oh, that's weird. Got a lot of construction up ahead. So, exited the school zone. Um, so, how do you do the coconut oil and make it work uh, cheaply and then make it work so it mixes with your fuel reliably so you're actually getting it? God, Cause like imagine going out on a on a cold run or whatever. Do you do you put it in some kind of like toothpaste squeeze tube and squeeze out a little bit every once in a while? You know, like a separate flask. Now you're talking about separate things. To uh, oh, we got a we got a dump truck getting up on a curb. Gotta go around them. Construction, construction. Economy in Texas. If you can stand the heat, it's good. Anyway, um, and then you're talking about carrying along extra stuff, you know, and then you got to squeeze it out too, You got to get it in the tube. Which actually, it's not that hard. You just heat up the oil until it's liquid, and then you, then you pour it into whatever you're going to squeeze it out of. And so, do I need to get some kind of squeezy thing? Put coconut oil in every once in a while, and just do a, a dab. And then, if I tell you what's nice, is you're sitting there, and you just got. You can tell by the way I'm talking and like how enthusiastic I am this morning. I got I'm on top of things, got stuff straightened out. That uh, even though I'm late, that um, it's tons of energy without being it all coming from sugar. You know, so uh, it's good for your insulin. It's good for your um, for your teeth. You know, so that reminds me, I got a green smoothie. Okay, so let's go ahead and wrap up the show, so I can focus on getting to W to the E R K. And, yeah, let's see, Sid Garza Hillman, the, uh, the 70.3 championships are this weekend. Oh, holy crap. So, I'm minding my own business yesterday, just doing work work, you know, I'm hitting the keyboard, and I'm uh, watching, uh, you know, like, where's my supervisors? <laughs> and I'm a supervisor, so where's the people that I'm at? You know, uh, going to this meeting, checking my calendar, getting work done, you know, filing TPS reports, sorting cover sheets, and, uh, adding and removing printers from my installs, and I look up at Twitter on my uh, on my computer screen. I got it just kind of over on the right hand side, and I follow lots of triathletes because it's good motivation to uh, follow people that are. Um oh, <laughs> Mark Marin, who's uh, a podcaster. Um, very good podcast that, uh, he's so neurotic though, that I, it wears me out. So I quit listening to him, but I do follow him on Twitter. And he said, there's a fine line between, uh, positivity being positive and being a sociopath. <laughs> it's like, yes, that is so true. You start getting so positive. You start thinking that you can do anything and you start, uh, crushing, people underneath you to get to do your anything that you stop you stop caring about other people that's one of the definitions of a sociopath is you start ranking your yourself uh over society you know to do what you want to do this path means to kill i think and socio you know society so you crush society and it's in your way because you're so positive you can do anything anyway i think i might get that framed or something um Anyway, so I'm on my own business, uh, and all of a sudden, Twitter just goes, "Hey, Brett! Hey, triathlon world! Guess what? Challenge just merged, or bought, or something. That's still we'll find out through the 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 sociopath detectives and slow twitch. will figure it out. The uh, uh, challenge just merged slash bought Rev Three, and. Now, they're going to rebrand, so starting next year, all the Rev3 races, Challenge races. And Rev3's already got a a big presence in the United States. And Challenge has a big presence around the rest of the world. And Challenge is the race company that does Challenge Roth, which has 10,000 competitors in a race or something. And it's the biggest freaking race out there. And Challenge is the company that's doing that, that's that's working with... uh, the Arabs over there in, uh, I don't know if they're Arabs in Dubai or not, or Abu Dhabi, uh, that have oil money like crazy. They make Texas, Texans with oil money look like peasants. And uh, they've got so much oil money that um, the money they're throwing at a triathlon is ridiculous. And the the challenge, what is it? Is it Bahrain? Is it challenge... I can't remember, but there's going to be um, a huge race uh, later this year um, where the prize money is insane. And a whole lot of pros are like, screw WTC, we're going to start racing Challenge stuff. Well, where's the Challenge stuff in the United States? Well, now there is because they got Rev 3 So um, just huge, huge news. Huge news. And WTC has got to be like freaking out about this and uh yeah i just think it's so cool so we'll talk about that with tawny i bet and uh what that means because it's really really complicated stuff uh yeah okay that's it everybody stay safe out there uh worked up hills downhills all that good stuff and i'm trying to think what else we got i think that's it all right I need a little less caffeine. I actually haven't had hardly any, had a cup of coffee. That's it. So yeah, coconut oil, definitely, uh, give it a try. And, um, like I was saying, um, uh, it's really high calorie. Um, so you got to kind of watch out for that. Um, that can creep up on you and also anything it's, it's oil. So it's grease. So you eat anything like oily, greasy, eat too much of it. Um, make you kind of sick to your stomach so the thing is you don't need that much of it because anyway i'll leave you all with that investigate report back all right that's it everybody stay safe out there keep the rubber side down out